Bam, we're live. I started a couple minutes early today. I wanted to share something with you guys. I've been having some great conversations in my DMs. What's up, dude? Hey, your voice sounds better. Oh, it does? Okay, good. I, I, I actually woke up this morning with no sore throat. I, um, a, lot of, a lot of you have been questioning me, like, why am I defending the liver king or how come I'm not going at the liver king or whatever? I, first of all, I don't think I'm defending him. But, but it's really stirred up, stirred up some fun uh, ideas in my head. Probably my, my closest friends in the world, several of my closest friends in the world, these are people like if my wife kicked me out of the house, I could go sleep on their couch. And I'm very fortunate to have a lot of those people. And fortunate, I don't think my wife would do that to me. Uh, they don't have any integrity. And I'm not worried about the integrity of other people for the most part. Zero. I'm worried about my own integrity. I'm only worried about my own integrity. I don't project my integrity. I don't need other people around me to have integrity, except for very few cases. Integrity is something that I work on so that I can be free in the world. I'm only concerned about my own honesty. I'm not concerned about other people's honesty. Some of my nicest, most compassionate friends in the entire world have almost no integrity. They don't even know what it is. I remember when I didn't know what it was. I would have never met Dave Castro. I wouldn't know what integrity is. I'm not worried about Dave's integrity. I'm worried about what I can learn from him so that I can have integrity so I can flow more easily in the world. I guarantee you Dale knows a shitload of people who have zero integrity. And do you know what tool he uses that dwarfs integrity 10 out of 10 times every day of the fucking week? How you pick your friends? People who have compassion. That's a fucking, now we're talking about a real noble trait. Compassion. Everyone, what is compassion? Dale, you want to take a shot at that? Man. As I just put you on the good, good fucking morning, America. There's some tools that you use to look at yourself with, and there's some you use to judge other people with. When you're walking down aisle seven and you're five foot five and you can't reach something on the top, I judge people by their height. I see fucking Caleb walking by six two, and I say, "Hey, can you get me that box of soap?" I'm not worried about. It. I'm not worried. <laughs> you got it. Thank you, <laughs> Caleb uh, Beaver Dale King. Oh, I know Caleb. <laughs> I just, uh, there's, I'm not here to, I'm not, let, let me give you an example of my friend. So many of my friends are nice and they compromise their integrity because they want to be nice. It's like, it's like the entire left where I come from. Everyone is so fucking nice, but they'll lie through their teeth to you not to hurt your feelings. Mm. And, uh, anyway, I just want, we'll, we'll talk more about that, uh, as, as time goes on, but th there are traits that, I really, uh, I, I, I'm, I, I'm a huge fan of cultivating my own integrity, but I have some really dishonest friends who are my greatest friends in the world, and it doesn't bother me in the slightest. Why would I care if someone lied to me? Now, you can think of some circumstances. I don't want them to tell me the light is green when it's red, and I step on the gas and get fucking hit, but... uh but you, but you, but a, a lot of shit, a lot of these tools and things we talk about, they're, they're for, to work on yourself. The Bible's a beautiful book. When you point it at yourself, it's fucking evil as fuck. When you point it at other people, mm. 
You want to set men free. Men should feel free around you and safe. Not, not, not held to your uh, uh, judgment. There's this Taoist saying, trust people and they become trustworthy. I, I've seen it happen. Hi, Dale. I tried to get on here a few minutes early to get through my rant before you got on. Oh, hey, man. I wish I was there from the beginning. Yeah, well, you heard most of it. <clears throat> that is fantastic. How are you, Bale? Caleb, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, too. It's been a while. How, are we uh, operationally secured? Are we allowed to say where you're at, or how's that go? <laughs> no, we just say we're in an undisclosed location for now. Well, so Different hey. time zone. Gotcha. Hey, man. A little warm. Fucking, before I launch into what the hell we're getting ready into, man, I'm fucking proud of you, and uh, thanks for what you do, man. Thank you, Dale. I appreciate that. So there's this gym. It's called CrossFit PSKC. And a bunch of people were telling me how cool it is. So I reached out to CrossFit P, uh, PS, PSKC. Yep. And uh, I said, hey, would you like to come on my podcast? And I know Dale. And Dale goes, uh, Sevon? I'm like, what? He goes, this is Dale. I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, that worked out. That worked out nicely. Yeah, I thought you got hacked. <laughs> so fair, fair assessment. <laughs> uh, Portsmouth, Ohio. Arguably the opioid capital of the world at some point, or, or at least uh, that was, um, you know, that definitely of Ohio. Um, you know, when you say like, that's the prettiest girl in my college and someone's like, you said that yesterday. You're like, yeah, there's like 200 of them here. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's like that with cities that are like murder capitals and opioid capitals. There's there's a handful of them that are like the tied for number one. Yeah, it's very time dependent as well. But we we are definitely at one point the pill mill capital of America for sure. Did you coin that term pill mill? No, uh, that was bit that was around for for a while. I think that started coming out in the late nineties. I liked it. I, I was watching your, uh, I don't know if it was, I watched a bunch of your interviews. I don't know if it was on Fox or your Ted talk, but when I heard that, I was like, Oh, that, that has a nice ring to it. Mm-hmm. The pill mill. A pill mill is an illegal facility that resembles a regular pain clinic, but regu- regularly prescribes painkillers without sufficient medical history. Oh shit. I didn't even know it had a term like this. Physical examination, diagnosis, medical monitoring and documentation. I, when you said pill mill, I just thought it was just like tongue in cheek. No, no, it was it was definitely a real thing. And um, unfortunately, the guy who developed that business model was here in Portsmouth in the 90s. Oh, shit. Yeah. So when was, you say business model, it, it's illegal, right? It's like saying my buddy grows weed and sells it illegally. <clears throat> he developed that model. It's illegal now. At the time, it was not illegal. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of things kind of coinciding at that period in history. Um, but you know, the Sackler family started just dumping millions of, of pain pills, oxycodons. Um, and then they really kind of got connected with physicians who, cause they have to be the pushers of their product. And the easiest way to do it is, uh, open up a pain clinic and you get people to come in and say, Hey, does your back hurt? And you're kind of like nodding them through the process. And if they got a hundred bucks cash, they, they leave with a script full of oxy. Wow. Wow. I'm glad I never found out about one of those places. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, it, <laughs> it really, there's, there's a couple really good 
um, pieces of media to read and watch. The first first one's called Dreamland. Um, that's by Sam Quinones. And that's really kind of viewed as the, the standard when it talks about telling the story of how the opioid crisis happened in America. And uh, Dreamland refers to Dreamland Pool, which was here in Portsmouth. Um, it was like your quintessential small town American gathering place uh, through the 80s and 90s. And then it closed down. And then the book kind of highlights what happened after that pool closed down and the devastation from from the opioid crisis from there on out. But like a local pool where all the kids go swimming in the summer. Yep. Hey, and what's the second movie? Uh, well, I think everyone's kind of more familiar with this. It's on Hulu. Um, sh- Dope sick. Dope sick. And, and you're you're the executive producer of a movie. Has that movie been finished? Um, <coughs> we just Strong Town. What is it? Strong Small Town? Town Strong. Small Town Strong. Yep. We just got the rough cut this morning. The final cut this morning. Um, and Congrats. Thanks, man. Dude, by the way, like I've got a small glimpse into what your world has been. I assume the last 20 years as far as production and documentary. Holy shit, man. That's a that is a wild, bizarre, chaotic, insane world. Um, But we got the final cut done and we're hoping we're hoping to submit to uh, Tribeca Film Festival within the next week or two to, to get in there. I was concerned for you when I saw you were the executive producer because movies are not a <laughs> I don't know how to say it. But this way I've written it's, off what I've invested in and just yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a tough road to toe for, for every second counts. Um when I made that well we we finished filming that uh two thousand eight, right after the games at Aromas, and I worked on that, no exaggeration. I think I may even be conservative 12 hours a day, every day for six months, Yep. just sitting in front of my computer. It was crazy. Yep. That's, that's my buddy's life right now. He's yeah. the, he's the other exec. He's a director on it. And uh, luckily it timed him right to where he could, he's devoting literally every waking second to, to get it done. And this is Chase and Spencer Millsap. Yep. So it's Chase Millsap. He's a great fucking guy, man. He's a, He's got his own wild story, but he was a Naval Academy grad, uh, was a Marine Corps officer, <clears throat> decided that <clears throat> Marine Corps wasn't cool enough, so he dra- he jumped services to become a Green Beret officer. Wow. And then um, married a girl that I went to high school with. Wow. Was Is he born in Portsmouth? <laughs> no, he's a, he's a Texas kid. Wow. Small world. Dude. And it, and it so uh, – Long story, we ended up going on Shark Tank and he he and his wife were living in Hollywood and he kind of I went out there and that was the first time I met him in 2016. And we we became best friends ever since then. Why? Why did you meet him when you went out there for Shark Tank? So his wife, Miley, was the girl I went to high school with. And they're like, hey, she was always like, hey, if you're ever in L.A. or Hollywood, come out and hang out. And so that's how we hooked up. How old are you? I'm, I'll be 42 next month. Oh, okay. Alrighty. Um, where were you? You're born in Portsmouth? Born and raised, my friend. And, and what's the population there? The city is around 20,000. The county's like 75,000. 
Wow. So tiny county. So maybe not. Is there even a city in the county or is it all just incorporated? No, it, it Portsmouth is the, the capital of the county, if you uh-huh. will. So um, there are no cities in there. There's like by, whole, c- yeah. by cities. I mean, no one has their own police department. It's just all one. In, like in, in, yeah, in so, California, we have counties and then within them, they have their own shit. But when you only have 75,000 people in the county, I'm guessing you don't do that. You, we have uh, the Portsmouth Police Department and oh. then everything out in the county is the sheriff's. Okay. Wow, seventy-five thousand. Maybe pull out a little bit more, Caleb. I want to see like where it is, like compared to like Columbus or any of the cities that I know. Oh, there's Cincinnati. Yep. Oh, and there's Columbus. What's south? What what state is that south of there? We're right on the border of Kentucky. Okay. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'll, yeah I mean, I'll, I'll say you're Kentucky then. <laughs> I prefer the the term Appalachian American. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Where are wait? But what, uh, where are the Appalachian Mountains? They're, are they? They're further east of you. They're li- yeah. They're a little. Oh, south. you're at the base yeah. of them, kind. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Like okay. we're we're in the, we're considered tri-state area, so Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia. How old is uh, Portsmouth? Ports Portsmouth. I want to say like 1883. It was incorporated, or maybe 43. How did your parents end up there? Man, um, so my dad was born out in the sticks. So my dad's my dad's eighty five. So he was way a little older when when I came around. Um, was born out in this town called Stockdale, which I don't know has probably eight people in it. Um, and then my mom was was born in Memphis. Both of these places are are in the county, and uh, dad served the military for a long time. My mom was a nurse. Um, dad has a whole other uh, first family out in the West coast. He did like, was rancher for a while, has this all kinds of crazy stories, but um, <laughs> got a divorce from his first wife and basically just kind of like gave everything and moved back home to, uh, to Portsmouth. Oh, so his, fa- his, his, his family, how did his family? Do you know how your grandparents ended up there? How do you end up somewhere like that? I, dude, uh, I only know as far as my parents go. Okay. It gets we go we go down a whole other uh, hillbilly rabbit hole when we're talking like uh, parent great grandparents and great grandparents. Do you know what ethnicity you are? Uh, hillbilly man, I have no fucking idea where where uh, where the blood comes from. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's interesting because the people in the South, there's a lot of French people down there, right? I mean, like Louisiana and whatnot, mm-hmm. that's, those are, you know, French col- colonists that came over, right? And Ohio doesn't have something like that. Like Portsmouth isn't just all people from Denmark. Or no, no, like it's, okay. it's a good mix of, of everybody. <clears throat> and, and I'm guessing that when your, when your dad was a kid, there were 1000 people who lived there in dirt roads. It, it probably actually when he was growing up. So we're talking fifties now. The uh, population was significantly higher. Oh, because of like some sort of an industry that was yep. there. So now we're talking like the heyday of like steel mill, coal plants, shoe factories, the whole okay. deal. So I'd say it was um, significantly higher than it is now. Uh, Ohio initially colonized by French fur traders. Ohio became a British colony possession following the French and Indian War in 1754. At the end of the American Revolution, Britain seceded control of the territory to the newly formed uh, United States and incorporated. Okay, interesting. And 
Um, how many? Do you know how many stoplights you have in your town? Is it one of those towns where you know? No, we, we, it's uh, we, we've got we've got several stoplights. Several. <laughs> no Chipotle, but we got. You, you don't stoplights. have to brag, dude. I'm just asking simple questions. You don't have to get all puffy chested on me. We uh, you know, we'll eat some chicken out of the Sheets gas station. You know what I'm saying? So right. Right. Oh yes, <laughs> nice yes. Hey Dale, do you know who Travis Bajan is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he lives in West Virginia, and the first time I went out there, oh, okay, wow. Okay, so it is developed. Yep. And that's a river there? Oh, no, yep. no, that's just – that is a river? Mm-hmm. That's the Ohio River. Wow, okay. So so I was making a movie in, I don't know, 2003 or four called Pulling John about professional arm wrestling, and I went out there. Travis is one of the characters, and I went out there, and I had never seen anything like that at the point. And he's like, hey, let's go out to dinner. And we took our families out to dinner, and we went to Sheets, and they ha- it was a gas station. And they had little, like two or three little tables in there. And like, we just like ordered hot dogs or some shit or chicken. Yeah, like you said, it was crazy. That's fine cuisine. It's not a gas station restaurant. It's a gas station with tables inside it. it I was like, wow, this is some ghetto shit. <laughs> Delicious. Yeah. And then we traveled 30 miles to a waffle house to go real big. <laughs> so nuts. It's a different it's, world, man. Yeah, it is such a different world. So, so you're born there, and what do you do there? What do you do there as a kid? You're born, do you have siblings? I have an older sister. Yeah, she's three years older than me. <clears throat> and and uh, so you're born there, and uh, pretty no- normal childhood. Yeah, dude, it was great. Uh, childhood revolved around sports, hanging out with friends, um, just like your typical small town America. Riding bikes, always, stay, yeah, late out, stay out at night. Kids were at by where yep. the bikes were at in the yard. Um, just a really good, really cool small town vibe. Everybody knows each other. Everybody has each other's back. Cool. We'll drink a lot of Kool Aid, Tang. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Some Sunny D. You know what I mean? Yeah. Save money and, and dilute the orange juice times six. <laughs> oh yeah. Every, every kid on the block can have some. And then at some point, you decided to go into the uh, U.S. military. Yep. So I graduated in '99 from high school. And I uh, was fortunate enough, I applied and got an Army ROTC scholarship. Uh, so I went up to Columbus, to the big city, uh, went to school, a uh, small school called Capital University. And uh, <clears throat> so I knew in 99, like, that's the route I wanted to take was to go be in the military. And then um, 9-11 happened, my, I think it was my junior year. Yeah, my junior year. And uh, so we all knew. I uh, wasn't pretending anymore like we were. We were going to get, go get after it when we all graduated. Tell me what ROTC is. Uh, Reserve Officer Training Corps. So it's like, see- <clears throat> so uh, Caleb can chime in too, but there's there's a couple paths to become an officer in the military. Uh, I think everybody's familiar with the academy. Uh, the second way is ROTC. So basically, uh, if you get a scholarship, whatever branch of the military will pay for your school and like you're kind of like a part time ish, you're learning leadership basically while you're in in college, and then you'll fulfill your active duty service obligation upon graduation. And then the third way <clears throat> is to be to go to officer candidate school and get, earn your commission that way. Because I would see those guys around campus when I was in school, the ROTC guys. They always stuck together. They dressed different. I can't remember, but but and they had their own little building. This was at UC Santa Barbara. Yep. Yep. So basically, when you see those kids on campus, those are kids who are doing four years of college, and then immediately they're going into the military. Yeah, specific branch or all all the different branches? all all branches have ROTC, and then it's okay. really kind of up to that kid to determine which branch he wants to go into. 
But yeah, the day you graduate college, you you commissioned as an officer the same day. And, and why did you choose that path? Was it um, because your dad was in the military? I'd say that has a lot to do with it. Um, and I just really, I you know, was indoctrinated by Chuck Norris and Rambo movies growing up. And, mm. you know, I'd always look at all my dad's old military shit. And to me, that was just like the way. Um, that's what I wanted to do. You weren't scared? No, man. Uh, no, I was like more, more excited. Like this is, this is, this is to me, like we come from a, a family of, of service. I had a lot of uh, uncles that served in World War II and Vietnam. And so um, I just never wanted to sit around and not have a story to tell when I got older, I guess. Interesting. I obviously grew up in California and I think I was, I was always afraid, you know, like, you know, when you turn 18, all of us have to register for the draft. So I went down to the post office, even though there was no chance of me getting going, but I think I was terrified. Like, Oh shit. What if I have to do that? Isn't it interesting that, and and it was definitely how I was raised culturally in California. I don't think I was alone like that. Not that there weren't, you know, guys that weren't pussies, but I think there were a lot of us that were just like scared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like one of those things. Some, some people go in the military cause it's a last resort. Um, some people feel called to do it, man. Like, yeah, I watched my dad grow up and he never once, actually I told him I was going to enlist when I was like 15 or 16. And he, he, why are you laughing, Caleb? Cause I told my parents the same thing. And they, oh, awesome. My dad just got shit up right. Yeah, exactly. So my, my dad was an enlisted guy. Uh, for for 14 years, and he did uh he did a tour or two to Vietnam, and uh, he was like, "No, you're not enlisting. I don't care what you think you're going to do, but you're not going to enlist." And I had even like gone to the recruiters, and uh, and I was going to be a Marine probably because that's like they had the coolest shit at the time. Yeah, their commercials were cool as shit. <clears throat> I definitely like their commercials. You got a sword, dude. Come on. Yeah, like fucking killing a dragon. How do you not want to do that? Yeah. And so I, I, you know, you get a whole swag bag full of shit uh, when you leave. And I put like the Marine Corps bumper sticker on my dad's car. Wow. Um, which was, a, which my dad was in the army, and uh, he loved that. <laughs> and uh, the next day, I look back, and that sure as shit, that some bitch was like wiped right off of there. And he's like, I don't know what you think you're doing, but you're definitely not going to enlist. He's like, if, if, if you want to go in, like you're going to go in as an officer, which meant nothing to me. I, I had no different. I had no idea what conceptually what the difference was, but. Right. I've heard, I've, I've had it explained to me a hundred times and I still don't know. I just <laughs> like, everyone's like, I went in as an officer. I went in and listed. I'm like, yeah, you, you went in and you went, that's it. That's all I know. You went to Disney. I don't care if you got the season pass or fucking bought your shit into it. <laughs> uh, okay. So, so you go in there and, and how, and how, and so immediately when you like you said 9-11 happened so immediately even though you're not in yet you know that oh shit the anthill has been shaken and dudes are now leaving overseas to do mm-hmm. shit you're not going into a, a, a training camp you're going into a a, a a path to a deployment right yes Basically everyone then that's like predominantly what happened to people and tell me about that tell me about so what year do you go in and and how quickly are you uh trained to deploy so oath to summer of oh three um 
I was commit. I was in the army now. And then you, depending on what you do within the branch that you're doing, you're going to go to like a, a school to learn more about that functional area of the military, essentially. Um, so I went to uh, military intelligence officer basic course down in Arizona. And then at that point, <clears throat> you're like getting your first assignment. So when you're done with your course, it's like, okay, what unit are you going to be a part of? And I was honestly like just trying to get on the next unit going out. Um, and there came a really, you, you were, you were hungry to deploy. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't want to miss it, you know, cause uh, it was like, cause now you depend on generationally when you enter the army, it's like, okay, now we got a war going on. Like, this is why we joined and you sure as fuck don't want to miss it. Like this, right. you don't, you don't want to miss that plane going out. So you're, you're doing whatever you can to figure out who's going where, yeah, Caleb told me, if I recall, sorry if I'm misrepresenting you, Caleb, but Caleb, when he said he was going, I'm like, why are you doing that? He's like, because I applied to leave. I'm like, are you fucking <laughs> I asked for yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. It, well, and the thing is, it's like, um, you don't, I mean, at least for me, it's like, if you went in, like, you don't want to be all the way to, like, the five-yard line and not try to score. You know what I mean? Um Dave explained it to me like this too. I'm paraphrasing and, and sorry, Dave, but I, I, I remember one time he had to come home for something. I can't remember what, and he was pissed and I go, dude, what's the problem? And he goes, dude, I'm, it's like being a firefighter trained to put out fires. And all of a sudden you find out there's never going to be another fucking fire. It's like, I trained for this. Mm-hmm. I need to get back over there. And he did, he hated the fact that he, he felt like he was letting his friends down. Yeah. That's a huge part of it. Um, like actually once you get assigned to your unit and now you train with these guys and, and if they're going and you don't go, man, like that's like, for whatever reason, now some guys will scam, like they'll they'll find ways not to deploy. Uh, there's, there's goes out there like that. But if that's what you want, man, like you're, you're doing everything you can to, to get over there. Um, so there was a cool opportunity, um, that, um, so I was an Intel guy. And they were like 10 special forces group had an opportunity for an Intel officer to join, to join their unit. So I was like, fuck, that's what I want to do. Like put me, put me on that. And uh, so I showed up there, showed up there in late 2003, four, something like that. And uh, by, I was on going, we were going to Iraq in November of 04. Wow. And, and this, um, this 10 special forces group, that what is that and is that's a good group to go with you there's other paths and you intelligence guy could have been put somewhere that's ass and this you're like oh this is these are gonna yeah yeah so intel intel guys like a combat support guy so basically that means um our specialty can go to any unit right and and assist them in their intelligence operations are you Um, the little green guy with the radio on the back that i had (laughs) had all those army you're the one with the (laughs) that 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 would I mean, if, if that's the best analogy we got, that would, uh, that we'll would start be, there. We'll start there. Okay. We'll start there okay. for sure. Okay. Um, and Intel guys straight out of school had not been allowed to go to um, special forces groups since Vietnam. So I was like, fuck, sign me up. Let's roll. And they're literally. And uh, basically what that means is when you say special forces for people who don't know, I think what he's saying is special forces are the guys who get their hands dirty. 
And so like you could have been put with a unit who's like, hey, watch that, watch that car park. And you could have been there for three years doing dick. Yeah. Special forces are being, they're like out there doing shit. And you're like, oh, these guys are going to be active. That's why you were excited. Yes. That's and it. Yes. hundred percent. Okay. Um, and they're literally, so everybody kind of throws the term special forces around as if like that's Navy SEALs and they're, there's special operations, right? There's special right. operations. Okay. Special operations. Right. And like SEALs are a part of a special operations unit. Uh, United States Army Special Forces is actually Green Berets, what they're okay. what they're known as. I apologize. No, I no, no, no. A lot. It's been explained to me. No, no, no. You're not. No, no need to apologize. And you have like Rangers and then like uh, uh, the PJ, the pararescue guys in the Air Force. But they all they all work together. But <clears throat> essentially, depending on what mission you want, you're going to choose the right tool. Right. So uh, Green Berets are known for um, taking a small team, deploying to a, a foreign country somewhere and then developing living training uh, alongside a foreign country element to develop their forces to be capable to to fight whatever the enemy is. And, and you did that. Your first deployment was in Iraq. Yep. Mosul. And uh, and how long were you there? Uh, seven months. And, and what was that like? <clears throat> Fucking wild. Um, actually, the, you had a guy on a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> and he had talked about um, the suicide bomber walking into the chow hall. Yes, yes. I was there at that time. Who who was that? Oh, I forget his affiliate name. I reached out to him afterwards. Uh, fuck. Forget his Ca- name. Caleb's on it. Caleb's is, oh, Caleb is actually my special intelligence. <laughs> During the day, he helps people with their venereal diseases. And at, at, uh, <laughs> on this job, he, you know, what? actually, that's a that's a decent analogy for like what Caleb's doing. Uh, finding out more information to present to people to action targets is essentially what Intel guys do. Was uh, it Andy Schneider? I think it was Andy Schneider. Yeah, I forget the name of his place. But anyways, oh, so yeah. uh, I would need to see a blue cord across it. Oh yes. No. It wasn't no. him. There was a couple no. guys before him. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. God, he's, he's watching right now being like, fuck, what a douche. Hey, listen, I can't even remember my kids' names. I look at them. I'm like, which one are you? Yeah, he didn't even know what my gym's name was. So I, I know. Gonna... Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking crazy. I heard but, Greg talk about you so much, too, before I met you. Like, for years, I heard him talk about you. It was it was so weird. That's man. fucking – that's wild in and of itself, man. Um but so, yeah, I'm, I'm listening to your show and then I'm like, oh, fuck. Like I was right across the airfield um, when that happened. And that ha- actually that will be the anniversary, like I think December 21st or something. So they did it right around Christmas time. Um, yeah. Shit. I was right. Yeah. So, yeah. So this photo. So these are the guys. Uh, that One was of those right. guys, you? No, 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 no. Oh, so. Oh that one of the guys is like my boss and the other, like the officer in charge. The other one was the uh, non-commissioned officer in charge. But um, so we had like a little chapel at our small little outpost. And then after that, man, like we had to like pull security uh, in the chapel just to make sure nothing went down. Um, And that to me, like that photo just represents uh, the guys I worked with, man, like just good fucking people who were just salt of the earth and oh, to be there during that time. That's how like, you dress right there. Yeah. At that. So that's late Oh four. That's before like 
other iterations of the BCUs or uh, BDUs. But yeah, man. And, and what did you do? Tell me, can you give me an example of what you would do there? Would you guys, <clears throat> I'm reading, I'm reading this book uh, Craig Harrison wrote called the longest shot. I'm actually listening to it now. Okay. And he, 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 he was, uh, he's from the United kingdom and he did fucking everything. And then I had Roger sparks on here and he did everything too. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. some days you're just sitting around with your thumb in your ass garden, some something that's pointless. And the next day they're just like, okay, 40 of you just drive around here. And it's like, basically they're sending you out to run over IEDs. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you're supposed to be looking for them, but it seems like there's so much bad shit happening. that it's like, dude, like, well, uh, so a good mission example during that deployment, um, the first ever Iraqi elections were in January of 2005 and like, Al Qaeda, all the foreign fighters, they their purpose at that time was to get people not to go to and go vote. Right. So um, they had a complete campaign of like psychological fear and psychological operations that we're going to like cut your head off. We're going to kill your family if you show up to vote. Um, And so what our teams did leading up to that point um, was go out with Iraqi special forces. So we had a job, part of our units, their job was to train and develop our Iraqi special operations forces. But we had other teams, like once those guys were ready, they would advise and assist <clears throat> on missions with them. Cause then the goal is like, we don't want to fucking be there forever. So we've got to train and develop those guys to take over security for their own country. Um, so we would be, like our op tempo leading up to the Iraqi elections was insane because we wanted to take all the bad guys off the street prior to that. So people could go to the polls and, and vote in their elections. So you, you, that's what you did. You, 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 you would get Intel and then you and the group would go out and collect bad guys and, and throw them in jail. Yeah. So, or, or so specifically within like our section, there's, there's all kinds of ways to find out information. Right. So like the, the one that's like most well-known is human intelligence. So you're developing sources on the ground um, through different methods, whether it's like uh, POW interrogations or you have high level access and placement through other means. So we're developing human intelligence. So we're getting guys on the ground to tell us who the bad guys are. Um, There's also stuff like signals intelligence um, to find out, <clears throat> to fix and locate where, where bad guys are doing. So we take all this pipeline of information coming in and try to make the most sense of that and then feed it <clears throat> to the teams so they can um, put their spin on it and action targets. You, I, I'm, I'm, This is going to sound extremely racist, and it probably is, but uh, I'm okay with it. Um, I, I'm just struggling with the term e- training Iraqi special forces. I, I just don't believe that there were ever any Iraqi special forces. Well, that's there weren't until we were there. You were guys were actually able to make them competent enough to call them that. I mean, isn't there like some sort of like competency le- competency level that you ha- that we associate with the term special forces? Yes, and so <laughs> that's a so that's a great point. So, well, thank you, the, thank you, Dale. <laughs> My favorite this, part of the podcast. Clip that. This this kind of leads into what would happen with me down the road. Right. So you can take anyone. So it's, do you judge an affiliate by how well their athletes move? Uh, no. Okay. <clears throat> well, some, some people do, right. So 
you as a coach, I judge them by if they can keep the doors open. I'm a, I'm a lowest common denominator guy, right? So, but we're taking people off the street who have no experience with human movement, and it's a reflection of the coach on how well you get them to move. Okay. So it's the same thing if we reverse plan it. When you're looking at a Green Beret unit or a Special Forces unit, these we're taking 18 year old kids off the street with zero experience. We're running them through our own design pipeline of selection and assessment. And that's just like getting your dick kicked in for fucking months on end. If they survive that, then we're training them on the advanced skills on how to action targets and all that stuff. Yeah, I believe you, Bruce. If, if, if I, I bet you there's a lot of kids there. When, when there's, and especially there's, there's not a lot of avenues for success for them. So they have a place where they can be with friends get food place to sleep, right? Get away from their uncle. that's molesting them. I mean, fuck there's, there, <laughs> and if you actually like, you know, of course we would go on to withdraw and of course fucking, uh, ISIS would go back and try to take over Iraq. But if you actually look at it, the fucking people who stopped that from happening were the Iraqi special forces. Awesome. That had, 10 years or whatever years of training underneath the United States special forces on what right looks like so that when we are no longer involved there, they have the competency to take over their country. Did you see personally see some pretty amazing transformations? Uh, not, I was kind of like off to the side. Um, second deployment was a little different, but I mean, you're just fucking these to see what these guys can turn into is pretty, pretty, it's insane. Like it's a ragtag group. And then a year later they, they move as a team and they're dangerous. Yep. Like if you look up uh, Iraqi counterterrorism force, ICTF, uh, I don't know what they're called now, but man, back in the day in the like Oh five to 12, they were, they were moving on targets. Uh, I want, have any of those guys written books? See that? <laughs> That's the. <laughs> this is this is the the internal struggle with uh, with Green Berets and Special Forces. Uh, they're known as the quiet professionals, right? So very rarely. Um, even even that that code is even taught to the Iraqis. I I I can't. It should be. I I'm not for sure, but yeah, I mean the Iraqis do. They're not. It's. Our guys aren't really the ones going to write the books on that. Now, right. I will say this. Uh, a great example is uh, horse soldiers. like the Horse? Horse soldiers. So they were like <clears throat> um, – Fifth Special Forces Group was like the first team in Afghanistan. Um, and what they – they actually rode into battle on fucking horses uh, with their Afghan counterparts. And that's like the classic quintessential Special Forces mission – um, that gets talked about a lot. Have you read that? I read it. And then the, it's more well-known now because uh, it was made into a movie not too long ago. Because Chris Hemsworth picked it up? Yep. yep. Uh, if you want to read, I'm telling you this book, if you want to listen to an audio book, maybe it's not your cup of tea since you were, were over there, but this Craig Harrison book is fucking nuts. And it starts with him as a little kid and just shows his path into the military. Yeah, dude, I want you, I'll check that out. It is at, the audiobook is absolutely unreal. It, it is so good. It's so well read. It's um, 
yeah, it's it, it's uh it's it's fantastic. So many layers of, of like lessons learned. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely makes you. I mean, he's it's basically the typical you know story. Hor- like, but basically, I had Roger Sparks on. I don't know if you know who that is, but mm-hmm. basically the same thing. The home life was just absolute fucking shit. Yeah, and it's like I'm out of here, and all of a sudden you're in, you're you're in the military. Yeah, that's kind of my dad's story. His home life was shit, and he's like, I'm out. Yeah, he's like, he couldn't wait to get the fuck out of there. Um, so so you go there, and how how many years are you in the military, dude? <laughs> I was uh, under a year. Um, so it was like commission, go to go to basic course, get your unit, get on a fucking plane. It's time to go. No, so, how many years? How many years were you in? Oh, just four, just four years. Yeah, and, and you deployed both Afghanistan and Iraq. No, four just years? Uh, double tapped Iraq. So. Um, okay. Went to Iraq the first time for seven months. Then you come home for seven months and you go again for seven months. And that cycle continues. And why did you get out? <sighs> because I, I could see the writing on the wall. Uh, I was like, you were going to be killed or go crazy. No, it was oh. just, uh, if I wanted to stay married any longer than that, um, it, it was time. It was kind of time to, to get out. And I, I just had to make a hard removal um, because like, if you still kind of stay, stay in like guard or reserves or something, like you're kind of one foot in one foot out. Um, but I, I just knew it was, it was time for me to, to move on. And, and what year did you get out? Uh, 2007. And had you found CrossFit at that point before then? So I've found, I've found CrossFit probably the last four months of being in. Can you yeah. tell me that story? Oh, dude. So. <clears throat> There was a group of captains. We I was a captain by this point, and uh, our unit was redeploying again. So we we were all getting out, and so we're like we're kind of like in the operations. It's called S three. So we were in the S three shop, helping train, de- develop training scenarios for our guys before they would go on. And uh, this guy's like, "Hey, dude, you got to check this website out," because I always like to lift. They always like to run. And we would never meet in the middle. And then finally he was like, Hey, there's this workout. I, I think we should, we should go try it out one day. <clears throat> I was like, yeah, Dan, let's, let's go do it. And uh, it was filthy 50. And this was in Fort Carson, Colorado, up in the, up in the mountains. And I was fucking wrecked. And I had mean, you been tra- what was your, you, and you had been training prior to that. Yeah. I was, I mean, it was basically like, uh, just lifting really. I mean, okay. like just, just standard lifting kind of stuff. And, uh, they're like, yeah, you just do 50 of these things and you do it really fast. And half the shit, I didn't even know what it was. Right. And, uh, back extensions. Yeah. Right. Ball ball. <laughs> and so we watched videos at that point. You like, you had to download like the MPEG to your computer to watch the, to watch the video. And, uh, it, 40 fucking minutes, man. I was just, dry heaving 40 minutes and i was like this is the fucking coolest thing like in the world like where has this been my whole life and that was kind of my first taste into crossfit and you just stayed with it yeah so i stayed with it and then like i think the next workout was like lynn um so i was like now i was trying to get a little bit revenge because i lifted (laughs) and these guys never lifted and so that's and that's why i was like oh so you don't it's not one thing it's everything and that's really what got me into it. Um, 
did you, were you addicted to the website? You knew that it posted every day uh, at five o'clock. You'd go see the picture, hope there's a picture. Maybe you'd get lucky and there'd be a video. Like you were like, dude, I, I was comments. All fucking, that shit. I was bit and hooked immediately. Yeah. Um, and then, so it was time to get out. And so we basically started at the same time. I, I found it in like, I heard about it in 2000, summer of 2006. And then, or maybe it was before then. I can't remember, but, but I was kind of tentative, right? I was like, what is this shit? And then by 2007, I was on the website every morning yep. or every day at 5 PM, like literally waiting by my computer, 4:58, like refreshing. Yep. As soon, as soon as you go up, you call your friend, dude, did you see the workout? I mean, it was crazy, right? Yeah. That's when websites were really big. Yeah. People don't yeah. really surf the web the way we used to. No, like there was no, you had to go to the website. There was no yeah. other channel of information that you're getting. It's like, what's the workout of the day? And then, then you like, you went back through the archives. Yes. Then, then you went on the message board. Yes. And then you were like trying to learn how to make your own shit. Yes. So, I don't have kettlebells. What am I going to do? What do I sub for GHD? And you're just like trying like, yeah. Yeah. And it was like, you, uh, uh, if you actually saw a rower in real life in 2007, it was like this mystical thing that appeared. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I was getting out and um, was fortunate enough to come back home. <clears throat> and I knew I still love CrossFit. Did but you have kids at this time? No, uh-uh. No. But how did you meet your wife? Sorry. and when No, no. We, we actually met in high school. We met in high oh. school. Yeah. And then we, we dated on and off through college. And um, Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, we, and then uh, we got like a justice of the, Caleb will appreciate this. We got a justice of the peace marriage uh, before my first deployment. So I was like, hey, if I get fucking blown up, at least you get $400,000 out of this deal. So oh, smart. <laughs> that's right. <Very> that's smart. <laughs> right. <laughs> So a lot of money, man. Yeah. <laughs> didn't get blown up and uh, came home. Then we got uh, married in, in the real church, if you will. Um, but yeah, so came back home, uh, started working for the Department of Energy. And I was fucking still had to do CrossFit. Right. So I, I went on and now it was like there were actual places you could do CrossFit. Right. Not a lot. Maybe a few hundred in the country, but so, there was actually one near Portsmouth? No. So oh. I, to 2007, I look up the map, and there's this place in Columbus called Rogue Fitness. Uh-huh. I've heard of it. And uh, I was like, and they're like, hey, we do free Saturday workouts. So I'm like, well, I guess I know what I'm going to do on Saturdays. So <clears throat> and Columbus is like an hour and a half away. So drove up there. Just kind of fucking showed up Saturday morning, 2007. And there was this like skinny dude who said he was from the Air Force. And uh, he was just coaching these classes. And it was the was first. Katie around then? Was Katie in those classes? Katie was not. I'd have to go back and look. But either they had not met yet or they were just dating, I think. Not okay. even at this point. Um, okay. So, and just this is the first time I ever saw like a set of rings in an actual gym. And really just fell in love with CrossFit. Now I actually could see it in real life um, and more so like fell in love with kettlebells. Like really just took a, went off the deep end as wanting to learn more and more about, about kettlebells. What do you think you liked about them? 
I like the that movement you, or the portability or the, 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 you could have one piece of equipment the rest of your life and you could be super fit. Yeah. And then you could, and then there was like, then I went down a rabbit holes of like kettlebell sport versus like hard style and Pavel and RKC and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, wasn't so, Kelly Moore a big kettlebell person? Kelly Moore? Yeah. Do you remember her from the message board? She was like, oh, the yeah. Yes, she, was she, like, was. Dude, she was 120 pounds or 105 pounds and would do Murph with a 40 pound vest and beat all the guys. Yep. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Yep. And two, it's like practicality. Like, I I can't out I can't afford to outfit an entire gym, but right. you know, I can buy three or four kettlebells and, and be good to go. <clears throat> and so how long do you do that commute for for on Saturdays? A long time? <clears throat> uh I mean it wasn't I wouldn't go like every Saturday, but when I was available, I'd go up there. And that's Would how you take I, your wife. Uh, no, she was, she was working at the time. So just go up there. And then, um, so I'd have to travel a lot for work. And then the closest airport was Columbus. So I got to know Bill. And this was like when Bill was just gym owner, Bill. And I didn't know shit. I didn't know. I knew I love CrossFit, but I knew I sucked at fucking everything. Um, so I would text Bill and like ask him to do some personal training as I was like leaving or coming out of the airport just to like show me how to deadlift, show me how to clean, show me how to do stuff with kettlebells. And uh, that's how I learned CrossFit, man. Dude, <laughs> I, I don't know if people listening know how crazy that is, but that's like texting Jeff Bezos and asking him how you should open up a seven 11 or texting fucking Elon and getting, trying to get some engineering tips to think of where bill is now. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't, uh, I don't think you can overstate his, Oh, his, his, uh, well-deserved success. I mean, no, dude, he, he, and, and, uh, rightfully so I ripped off every single piece of information I learned from him. Yeah. Um, to include like the first Saturday class I ever went, like, he took a picture and then he put it on his blog. And I was like, to me, that was the coolest fucking thing that had ever happened to me in like the CrossFit space. I was like, oh, there's a picture of me on a blog somewhere. And then it, I re- always remembered how that felt. As I recall, Daniel, to even call the first rogue a gym was a stretch. It definitely wasn't a business. <laughs> the first affiliate was like every affiliate. It was just. Yeah. It's just a fucking box. There was nothing fancy about it, as I recall. Uh, no, it was no. I just thought it was cool because there were some rowers, and I saw rings hanging down from the rafters for the first time in real life. Yeah, that's pretty advanced that he had rowers. Yeah, and then so as I would travel up there, you know, I got to know him, and then he he kind of was like, "You can't get CrossFit equipment anywhere," like. Unless it was like high end Olympic level, um, right? Like a set of rings is like eight hundred bucks. Right? You're like what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, he's like, I'm going to get my MBA. He was like finishing the Air Force, and he's um getting my MBA. And I found a dude who I didn't know that Bill went and got his MBA. Yeah, from Michigan. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so he goes, I found a dude who can weld, and so he like shows me these these metal rings. And he goes, I have another friend in a small town in Ohio who, uh, who can do, who like does a seamstress kind of. So that person did the straps. Wow. 
And he's like, we're selling rings and we're selling rings now. That was was the first thing I bought. I bought, that was the very first thing I bought rings. Yep. And I was like, man, that's fucking epic. And so I just always would watch them from afar and talk to them a couple times a year. And then it was like, then it started becoming rogue fitness. Like, like he got a web, like he got a website and shit. <laughs> he had a website. You could go buy shit. Um, and I just thought, man, I was like that entrepreneurial thing was now it was tangible. Like I knew somebody that did that before. It's like, you, you, if you knew somebody that owned a business, it was, uh, it was like saying you knew somebody in the NBA, like, Oh, that must be nice. Like how does anybody ever even actually do shit like that? And this whole time you still work for the Department of Energy. Yep. So I worked. Okay. Yeah, I was working for the Department of Energy from 2007 to 2015. <clears throat> okay. And then uh, at some, what happens next? I, I, I don't want to miss anything and, 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 t- and skip too much in the timeline, but do you open a gym next? Is that when you start thinking this is too far to travel? I need my own gym or? So I, <laughs> so Bill got to the point to where he was selling kettlebells. And so I buy a bunch of kettlebells and I, I belong to a gym here in town. There was only like one gym here at the time. Was it a CrossFit gym? No, it was just a normal gym. Right. right. Um, but I would carry in my kettlebells every day to the gym and it was doing like CrossFit workouts with kettlebells. And they're like, dude, what the fuck are you doing here? Like somebody's going to get hurt. Uh, what are you doing this for? Um, what, are you, what are you training for? Yeah, that was you- the, I would always hear that at the park nothing <laughs> yeah so you get like weird looks what are you training for and uh finally i was just like hey do you guys care like can i just leave these kettlebells here and uh people can use them like i don't give a shit like they're like no uh that's it's a liability issue like we're not allowed for you to do that and i was like man what the fuck and uh they're kind of like talk just on autopilot zombie talk and they're kind of like and we don't really like you being here is kind of the vibe <laughs> that I was getting. And then I was like showing some of their trainers, like what I was doing. Um, and then sure shit, like you'd see people start doing wall balls and stuff like that. Anyways. Oh, wall balls were a big no, no. Do you know? How oh, many yeah, gyms someone could, you can't throw something in the gym or don't like, have insurance for throwing objects or you're scuffing up the wall. Or- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's still some gyms that like some base gyms that have a sign that say no wall balls here. Yeah. You're going to scuff the walls or something. And so finally a lady comes up to me and she's like, Hey, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Um, but it seems really cool. I am opening up a new gym in town. And would you like to teach people how to use kettlebells? And I was like, I'd fucking be honored. Had you taken Martone's, (laughs) uh, Jeff Martone? No, Nope, I had not. And I was like, well, I guess I better like get serious about this. If I'm going to actually teach people. So then I took Jeff Martone's course like the next month. Um, Where did you take it? Down in Lexington, Kentucky. You know, um, uh, you know, Allison, right? Allison NYC. Yeah. Yeah. So I met her at the, I met her at the Jeff Martone's kettlebell cert at the original CrossFit Santa Cruz gym. Mm -hmm. That's how we met. Oh dude. That's yes. Yeah. He's an awesome dude. Dude, He is. uh, Jeff is fucking great, man. Yeah, he's a special human being. His, his the way he delivers information, his personality, his humor, and he worked for the Department of Energy too. Yep, yep. He right? helped. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was. Uh, he helped train uh, the couriers, I believe. 
Um, the couriers meaning people who move stuff around. Yep. Yeah. That's if anyone ever gets a chance to meet or talk to that guy, that guy, that that's you're, you're very lucky. Yes. And so, yeah. So I watched all his videos of the whole thing and uh, <clears throat> got certified, went back up the bill. This is like one of my favorite memories of bill. Um, so we're talking 2009 now. So I was going to start these classes in 2010 and uh, it was a black Friday sale. So I drove up to rogue and it was Bill alone working in Rogue Fitness, which doesn't, this wasn't even Rogue Fitness then. It was like, a, it was a warehouse adjacent to his gym. I remember. And in the back was the broken down deuce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And because uh, I was like going to buy 10. There was a basketball up. hoop in there for Haley, uh, Haley, for Katie to shoot, shoot yep. into. It was kind of fucked up, but she could make all the trick shots like yeah. the rafters and shit. I remember. And, that. uh, and Bill was like there and he just like seemed to be like literally buried by all the equipment trying to get the orders done. And he was just like, I'm never going to let people have black Friday off again. <laughs> <laughs> and it was him, dude. It was him in there getting dirty, getting shit done because customers made an order and he was going to get it out. And so January, 2010 started teaching people how to use kettlebells at this 24 hour fitness gym and eight months later, we had outgrown the space and uh, opened up my own spot in August of 2010. That's when you open your gym. Yep. And there's this there's this <clears throat> distinction you you talk about, which I thought was fantastic. The difference between basically one of the things that I actually I had heard spoken about, but never, never as poignant, poignantly as I've heard you that guys are in the military. Um, even, even Don fall talks about it. The current CEO of a uh, CrossFit, you come back from the military and you're an eminently capable human being and man. And yet you, you don't, you don't even fucking know what skill you have that transfers, even though you can fucking do it all. And you're like, what the fuck am I going to do with my life? Yep. And so when you have that, it, the implications are, is that, um, um, I wrote down some of the words you used. Feel free to jump in, take over. No, it, for me, um, guys get out and like, I just wa- literally watched a fucking country have their first free and fair elections in history. Yep. And played, played a, a very small minor role in, in go ahead. connectivity and purpose in society. That's the words I, I grab from you. Yep. You come back and I mean, you, you're so connected and you have such purpose. And then you come back and you're like, okay, who needs prote- like, you, you don't, you don't right away see the transfer, right? It's like someone who's like the greatest apple picker in the world. And they move you to an apricot orchard. It's so obvious your skills are going to transfer, but, but you don't, cause all you see is apples. Yep. And you're yeah. lost. Like you're, lost. you're, you're lost and, and you begin to feel isolated, Right. And once you start feeling isolated, that's when bad things can really, really start to happen. Like, if, what, if, what do you mean isolated? Can you explain that to me a little better? So you're like you're saying, like you're you're not with your team, you're not with your unit. Um, you move back home to, a, a, and you're around people who have zero shared experiences. You, so you have nothing to talk about. You have nothing to relate to they're all complaining about what you think are extremely minor problems in life. And you're just kind of like the fuck was all this for? Mm. And so you begin to, you begin to like withdraw 
from relationships and from people. And that's when like isolation starts to set in. And when I, isolation leads to desolation. And I've seen a lot of bad things happen to bad people when they no longer feel a part of something. Bad things happen to good people. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. Bad things happen to bad people too. I just wanted to make sure I got, uh, and so, so you come back, did you experience any of that yourself? Yeah, man. I, it wasn't like very dramatic, but it was just like, I had watched, so I got out in 07. So I got out the height of all this stuff going down and, uh, more people could name every member of the Kardashian family than they could anyone that had died in service. Uh, and I was like, do you, is anybody aware that there is a war going on and people are over there? Um, and, and, and I just, I want to add this to this. Let's say it's, let's say they're equally as important. Let's say they're equally as important knowing the Kardashians names and, 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 and knowing the guys who died fighting for your right to sit down and watch the Kardashians and eat ice cream. Let's say, let's just for, it's still, even at that level, you have to assimilate to that society where you don't know any of the fucking characters, mm-hmm. but we, we know that that's not equal. Like no one's turning on the Kardashians and before they turn on their TV, they look to the East and say, thank you. U S military. Right. For giving me the safety to sit here. Yep. And that's why you do it. That's why, and that's, right. a, that's why you do it, you know? Right. Um, but you know, there are like transition assistance programs out there. But no one can ever really prepare you for what life is going to be like when you when you're out there. And I had a great fucking job, like by all rights, like everything was was looking good for me. But then even at work, man, I was like now I was a government fucking employee. And I was just like, I can't do this. Like I, I why th- why isn't that a easy isn't that a cush job? What's the dude? I was a <laughs> I was a GS fourteen at like age thirty. Uh, what's that? What's GS 14? Damn. <laughs> it, Just a it, lot of responsibility. Well, you had a good salary. Okay. Um, you had a good salary. My boss, I was like telecommuting before telecommuting was a thing. Um, meaning life was good. You could stay at home. I could. Yes. I just as long as I underwear did, with just a shirt on doing shit. meetings. Uh, as long as I did my shit, like my boss is cool. Um, but my shit was devoid of purpose. And then I'd watch people like 20 years older than me. And I, I could hear them before I saw them. And what I mean by that is I'd hear the shuffling of the feet down the hallway, like hunched over staring at the floor, just shuffling the feet down the hallway to get their cup of coffee. And I was like, I, this is not the path. I can't, I will fucking be a miserable, miserable person if I do this. And luckily as I was really starting to have these feelings, the gym came into my life and now I had something to completely obsess about and to feel a part of something and to train people and to see their transformation and to just bring life back to, to an area. Did people around you notice that you changed? Like as you got purpose in your life, did your wife and your, and your friends see yeah, that they, shit? Yeah, they happy, happy. They, they, and God, you know, God bless her. Cause she's put up with me for, 
for everything. Um, dude, I would go, this is so fucking embarrassing to say this, but like before the gym, I'd be like, get home from work. I'd still work out. I'd go home, get a workout in and fucking play Xbox. I would fucking play Xbox and I hated myself. I was like, what are you fucking doing as a man? You're like late twenties. You're going, getting home from work from a job you fucking hate to go play a fucking kid's computer game. Like Dude, this is just, your life. You just insulted fucking 30 million people. In that <laughs> state. But it's true, but it's true. Sorry. Ah, it's fucking true. It's you will all every one single one of you will wish you got those years back when in the future. And uh yeah, man. So started the gym and uh Oh, Sean says the problem is you should have played PlayStation. <laughs> there you go. Bingo. Well well played, Sean. Okay, uh so so and then that changed that changed right away when you opened the gym. Yeah, man. Yeah. Now I had a unit. Now I had a purpose. Now I had something that I was completely, utterly devoted, obsessed and committed to. And did you find a good location in Portsmouth? (laughs) I don't know if there is a good location in Portsmouth. Um, But so a guy that was taking the old classes, he was like, hey, my friend has this warehouse and it's dirty, disgusting. And he just stores his old cars into it. Um, we're out, we had like a 500 square foot room that we were doing stuff out of. He's like, I think if you like approach him and ask him to, to rent it, he'll, uh, he'd be willing to do it. And I was like, Nope, not doing it. I'm not going to open up a gym. I don't have money. Uh, this is Portsmouth, Ohio. We're the economically most depressed and unhealthiest County in the state. No one can even afford this shit to begin with. And then Started looking into it. It was like, okay, well, this is going to cost a seed and it grew. It's like, this is probably going to cost me eight grand to start, which was more than that. But I was like, okay, eight grand. And then it became your L1 at that point. uh, I had not taken my L1 yet. We opened up as a non affiliate just because I didn't know if this shit was going to last. Right. Um, But I had the Martone cert. So I figured, like, if anybody asks, I'll show them that piece of paper. Um, and it was like, okay, eight grand. What's the worst thing that can happen? No one comes. Then I was like, well, I'll have equipment for a sweet home gym for the rest of my life. And I've been kicked out of every place in town so far. So that was the route I was having to go take. So that was the ultimate decision. And so, so you opened the place and people came. We, we had a built in following from being at the old, the other place. Yeah. And we opened, on a Saturday and 20 people showed up and wow. uh, have been coming ever since then. And how much was the membership back then? <laughs> this tells you how to, what a fucking genius businessman I am. So you're going to love this, especially being in Santa Cruz. So I talked to the lady. Uh, I said she wanted $600 a month for rent. Huh? And I was like, no fucking way. Cause I don't even know. There's no one's going to be here for that. So I said, give me six months at 300 bucks a month. And if people are still coming after six months, then I'd say like I can afford the $600 a month. So we started with $300 a month rent and I was still working. So I, I was like, basically 
all right, if you come to the gym, it's five dollars a workout. Okay. And that's what I charge. <laughs> that's what I charged. And that was in two thousand ten. Two thousand ten, yeah. And do, where would people put the money? They would. <laughs> they would like give it to me. They would put it on the fucking on the desk. Like it was such a fucking shit show. There was no register. There wasn't uh, even. It was. You weren't even organized organized enough to have a glass jar. No. No. It's just like. Just like five dollar bills just coming in. Yep. And then I just some asshole would give you a fifty and you change. (laughs) And then I got smart enough to the point to where I was like, okay, I'm gonna offer ten classes for whatever. And then I was like, so we'd on the whiteboard we'd have your name and then you just mark out the class that (laughs) that you went. Oh, awesome, awesome. (laughs) So I've fucking done. Are you still in that location? No, dude. We. we three years later we moved to our current location now. Wow, crazy. Okay, um, and um, so when do you finally take your L one? Two thousand eleven, I believe. Okay, and yep. do you remember who you took it with? Uh, actually, it was um, Ben Bergeron and his wife were on okay. staff then. That's Heather. Yep. Okay. It was at it was at Rogue Fitness, and. I believe, yeah, how I took the L1, because, you know, when you when you host the L1, you get five free slots. I think it's two now, but go yeah. on. So, so Bill was like, hey, uh, we got an extra slot if you want to come up here and take an L1. So, so that's how I got my L1. How, when Bill said that to you, when was the last time you had talked to him prior to that? Uh, I don't know. Probably several months before that or something. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Dude, yeah. Bill's a that's everyone. Stop listening for a minute. I want to ask Dale something. Go to the bathroom or something. Um, Is is Bill a quirky guy? I think quirky. He, 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 I mean, he's a. I, I have all great people are fucking weird as shit. Um, the Bill, I, the when I've chatted with him in the more recent past, um, he doesn't seem like maybe I it took like ten years to get to know him. But I, I always view him as a very quirky type, like a very he's very quiet. I always remember him. Bit, yes. Man, I, a few words. Bill's quiet. He doesn't want any limelight. He doesn't want any attention. Yeah. No attention. Right. He he wants, hate, if he finds out we talked about him, he's going to hate it. <laughs> now, he doesn't even care what we said. He just doesn't right. fucking want his name said. He uh, he just I, I really am struggling to find the correct words that that fit him, you know? Um, he's just figured out a way to, I mean, become a powerhouse juggernaut in the industry and doesn't give a shit about any sort of accolades, attention or anything for it. But it seems like he could do it with anything. If he would have got into like fabric, he'd have the largest fucking fabric business in the world. He's, he's extremely intelligent, extremely intelligent. Maybe that's what it is that I'm picking off of him. He's just smart as shit. And I think, yeah, I think, I think, uh, and he's got, and he's got fucking Katie who's sa- savage. And he's like, so the things I remember, like from a business sense early on, that they I got the on, brawn and the brain. Yeah. And he's, two of them. and like he does things the right way. That's and he's a great compliment. He does things the right way. And like he won't fucking like I think you were talking about integrity earlier on. Like yeah, he'll call you on your bullshit. Like he won't he won't let shit slide. Yeah, and he has a very high expect expectation for excellence. 
Yeah. Um, and some people don't meet it. Yeah. I heard he's, 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 uh, I, I've heard that. And, and, and the little bit that I've worked with him and Katie, I've gotten that too. Just most recently when we were at the rogue invitational or we weren't, when we said, Hey, can we get some media there? She said, sure. But I only have one request of you follow the rules. And then yep. like two weeks later I sent her a text. I'm like, Hey, this doesn't seem right. We should be allowed to do this. She goes, I had fucking one request from you. <laughs> and that's it. That's all she texted me back. I'm like, all right. Fuck yeah. It. Sorry. Yeah. And so, and then he like throughout, I mean, we're talking over a good days. people, but good people. But, yeah. but if you're a pussy, you won't be able to hang. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. And so we're talking like, Oh, in the relationship history over 10, 12 years. And it's really not like he, He'll just, he called you to me out of the blue. That means that like you were in his brain because he's thoughtful. They're thoughtful people. And and he'll like say shit to me. He'll just drop little nuggets. So he was like, how's the gym going? And so PSKC stands for Portsmouth Spartan Kettlebell Club. Okay. Portsmouth Spartans is like the name of the original NFL team that was here before they got sold to the Detroit Lions. Yeah. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah, man. And then Kettlebell Club obviously makes sense. And so – we started and we were growing and uh, he was just like, why don't you like do more barbell stuff? And I was like, Oh, well, I can't afford barbells basically was, was what I was saying. And he was like, you're going to basically his point was you're going to get pigeonholed down and just be in a kettlebell gym. And you're going to end up losing a lot of potential because you don't offer anything else. And I was like, Oh, I fucking never thought about that. And he'll just like say little shit like that. That really gets you to think, and, and helps you out along the way. And that was a catalyst for you to start introducing barbells. Yeah. So we started introducing barbells and then well, we'd been around for a year now. And then we, we became a full-time affiliate because we can actually afford the fee at this point. Yeah. And, um, and then we just fucking took off, man. Like, it, and then the next point in the juncture was <clears throat> a building became available. The building where we're at right now. And it was just like, Ooh, now I'm going to go from renting to buying something. And of course I was super reluctant. I was like, there's no way I'm going to buy that building because now if it folds, I can't just walk away. Now I actually have a piece of property along with me. Are you still at the department of defense now? Yeah. I'm still at the department of energy. Yeah. I'm still at the department of energy. So this is like 2013. And then, so this is the value of like having smart people around you who will like tell you you're a dumbass. And uh, I talked to one of my buddies and uh, I go, man, I don't know if I want to do this. And he was like, I'll tell you what, if you don't buy that building, I'll buy it. And then you can pay me rent. And I was like, fuck you. I'm going to buy the building. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy the building. And um, how much was it? <laughs> so 2013. This guy was uh, basically had a bunch of back taxes and he was looking to offload property. But long story short, it's about a 4,500 square foot building and the purchase price was $70,000. Yeah. Yeah. You can get a front lawn put in in California for that much. Hey, that's cool. And you painted that? Yeah, man. Yeah. We painted God damn, thing. that's awesome, dude. Yeah. How fun. And that's what it looks like today? That's it, man. There she is today. God, that's so yummy. How yeah, fun. Dude. And you got that open lot next to you. Uh, yeah, there is an open lot next to us. Just uh, to the right. You could do shit outside. Yeah. Barbecue, workout. Yep. And then we actually built, 
Yeah. So during COVID, we actually built a like a thousand square foot pavilion onto the front parking lot, um, put a rig out there. And so now we have like an outdoor space and indoor space, too. And when when did your um, paths cross with the 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 whole opioid thing, the thing with helping people and embracing that community and started making your own kettlebells? So um, 2017, uh, we I opened up another uh, another business called Doc Spartan um, with a lady who was who's a member at the gym. So we we went on Shark Tank, got a deal, came back home and around 2018. Uh, a friend of mine was a member at the gym and he was also um, he was also uh, an executive of the counseling center. And the counseling center is like the area's largest uh, nonprofit behavioral health and addiction treatment center. So he was like, Hey man, CrossFit has been extremely fundamental in my own recovery coming here. Um, we got to figure out a way that you guys do classes at our place. And I was like, well, fuck, let's do it. Like no brainer. Let's, let's make this thing happen. And before that I had zero experience with anyone in addiction. Um, and quite honestly, man, uh, I used to call them all shit bags. <clears throat> Cause where we're at, like they, they, they walk a lot, um, back and forth from our gym. And I would just like look at them and be like, you guys are the fucking problem that you're the reason uh, this town is suffering is because of you and just had like a really sour taste in my mouth. And then starts when you're all integrity and no compassion. Yep. Great. Example. Yeah. Well, it's, it's easy for me to, and I'm not judging you for it. It's fair. No, no, Especially dude. if you have kids, it's the fucking truth. And, um, but when I was thinking all that, at no point had I ever offered to help. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, then we started doing classes in like the fall of 2018 and got to know guys and learn about them, have conversations with them, um, learn about their struggles. And the first guy that went through our, like our little pilot group, he came up to me and he was like, Hey man, uh, I really appreciate what you guys have done, but I'm done with, uh, with treatment and I'm moving on. And I was like, sweet. So I'm thinking this guy's got his shit together He's got a job lined up, got somewhere to go. And so I go, hey, uh, well, where are you going? He goes, well, I'm checking myself into the homeless shelter tomorrow. And I was like, you're doing fucking what? And I was like, I don't even I can't know. believe there's one of those in Portsmouth. I do. So I go, I don't even know where the fucking homeless shelter is here. He goes, man, if I, if I, he's a young kid. He's like, if I go back home, I'm just going to relapse. And I got nothing else to do. And it wasn't saying it like. He was just, I asked a question. He told me. So I looked at the other coach at the time. I was like, tomorrow, 9 a.m., come to the gym. I'll give you a fucking mop and a broom, and you can stay there all day and work out as much as you want. We'll we'll figure this out until you get a better setup. His name's Andrew, and <clears throat> Andrew's now, uh, he's a coach for me. I he, saw him on uh, the Kelly Clarkson show that you were on. Fucking beast, man. Yeah, what a handsome dude. He's a beast. Beautiful daughter, crazy. Yeah, and so he's the first one that really opened my eyes. He looks like a model now. (laughs) He does, dude. He's he's a good looking. He's a good looking cat. He's a good looking cat. Um, 
And so not, not either of those guys. No, no, definitely not. That's, that's my buddy. Chase. <laughs> um, he, uh, and he's the first one that really opened my eyes to like the problem of what they're going through, how he got on drugs and the whole thing. Um, and so after that, not him either. He's a little further. I on appreciate those. No, you'll get it. <laughs> get it. Get it. You'll see him. He's he, you'll, you'll know when you see him, he, he it looks like, uh, they both look so handsome. This guy yeah, looks like Luke going. more like this guy looks a little more like, I don't know, like a Luke Rockhold or this he guy looks like, like a, an actor. Yeah, he looks like a Hollywood guy. actor. He looks like a GI Joe. Yeah. 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 There he guy. is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. him. So that's him and his daughter. And, uh, yeah, man, that whole like country singer. So his transformation gave you an education. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. And, uh, did, did you ever feel anything physical like, or, uh, through that experience? I don't, I hate to use this word cause I don't even know what heart is, but like your heart open up. That's a way to put it. it it's, it's almost like you're willing to establish a connection with somebody you would never connect to before. And you're willing to learn. You're but willing to you have those skills, especially being in the military. Like, like it's like, and especially with men, probably. Yep. Like you're really, you're able to connect with men. Yep. Yes. hundred percent. Wow. You, wow. This takes us back to, you found a place to use your skills there. Yes. And that's, yeah. that's, and that's why I said earlier on, I always thought, well, fuck, if we could take 18 year old Iraqi kids off the fucking street and eventually, through enough time and training and mentorship, teach them to be high level. We can do the same fucking thing here. And it finally became full circle. What happens when? How many of these people? How many? Um, uh, I don't know what you call them. Dr- former drug addicts. Drug addicts have come through your gym since 2017. Oof. Uh, I mean, more than a hundred. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we so the way we have it is our we have it or we have so that's so, sorry sorry before you go so that just started the catalyst I don't mean makes you jump ahead no. so you did one and then and then there was a second one yep did he tell someone so it, Andrew now, yeah so Andrew so a key component of this is you have to have employment opportunities right so. We we eventually I had a dog shelter for fucking homeless people. I tried that. <laughs> I, I did that. I, I let like 50 homeless people throughout all my college years stay in my backyard. It doesn't work. No, no. It, it, you just gave them a place to bring their Dremel tools and their stolen shit and do meth and steal, yep. and steal your own shit. Okay. Yep. So they have to have a purpose, right? Or else you're just another homeless shelter. Yep. So and, and the other thing is I'll get into this. It's like it really can't be a government program either because they're – they're not going to be paid for anything. They know that if they just show up, collect a check. It's, it's irregardless of their performance and effort. And um, I don't mean to be a dick, but th- th- this is a hundred percent truth. The people whose job it is to help you need you to be homeless. I- I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Hey, it's like a prison guard. I need you to, I need some of you to go out and rob some shit and come in here to make sure I keep my job. Yep. Um, so we were able to employ Andrew like part-time at Doc Spartan and Doc Spartan's at the gym. So it's like one in the same place. And tell me what that is. Tell me what Doc Spartan is. So, um, 
we you had Doc Spartan before Andrew. Yep. Okay. T- 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 so let's go back. Sorry. Let's go no, back to good. that uh, story. Are you, are you good for time? Bro, I got all fucking day. Okay. And if you have to pee, let me know. We'll, we'll stop the show. I, okay. I'm good though so far. Fuck Caleb. He, Caleb cannot piss. Oh. He's got to Cannot. Okay, so two, uh, so just some dates um, uh, to, to get people, make sure everyone's up to speed. So uh, 2007, you come home from the military to Portsmouth, Ohio. Uh, 2000, uh, uh, you had found CrossFit in your last four months in the military. In 2000, uh, then you would go up to Columbus, and that's how you met uh, Bill Henniger. You go up to Rogue on Saturdays occasionally to do a workout in a real affiliate. And then in 2000. Uh, and then you were working for the Department of Energy. And then 2010, what happened? Is that when you opened the gym? No, 2010. Yeah, 2010 is when I opened up the gym in the warehouse. Okay. Yep. Okay. And then 2017 is when you met Andrew. That was your first person who came in uh, who went through that transformation, through that program. But we're going to go back. You yep. started another small business within your company called yep. Doc Spartan. Yeah. So within the gym, we, we created Doc Spartan in 2015. 2015 is the same year I quit working for the government. Okay. So now I'm like, I'm unleashed. Uh, burned the, I burned the boats and now I'm like doing the entrepreneurial thing full time. And what is Doc Spartan? Can you take us to that website, Caleb? Were you just there? Sorry. I think I put a link in the notes. Um, so Doc Spartan, we, we handcraft and manufacture our own skincare and grooming products. So we got the uh, first aid ointment, soap, scrubs, the whole thing. What's first aid ointment? So it's what Caleb's actually holding up. Well, well done, product placement, Caleb. Um, Very nice. So, what was <laughs> so I was also prior to that, uh, I was doing some work with adaptive athletes um, in helping train and coach them and, and get to different competitions and stuff. But anyways, so what happens is like if, if you take a, a, a upper extremity adaptive athlete, where their limb fits into their prosthetic and you're doing pull-ups and all this stuff, like get pretty gnarly rashes. Oh, where, where the prosthetic rubs against the body. Yep. Okay. And then kind of in parallel, there was this girl at my gym and she would just have like a little stand of homemade lotions and creams that she was doing. And she would kind of sell them to the female members in the gym. And then I said, Hey, do you think you could come up with like a first aid ointment? Um, because people rip their hands in the gym or bust their shins. And she's like, yeah, I think we could try it. So she came up with like some prototypes and stuff and we handed them out to everybody in the gym and we just said, Hey, try this out, see if it works. And we got like really uh, amazing feedback. And so we just like literally in my kitchen table, like structured out, we'll be 50, 50 partners and we'll just kind of sell this to the people at the gym and it'd be a cool little side hustle to have. That was, yeah, that was, uh, 2015 by 2016 we were asked to go on shark tank and film an episode you were asked yeah they reached out to us for that oh isn't that funny i would have thought it's people clamoring to get on the show there there is there's like thousands of people that that try to apply but in parallel they have producers um that are out seeking different companies okay and that's the show where you stand up in front of a bunch of rich people and you're like hey if you give us some money and help us give us some of your know-how, you yep. can have a piece of our company. That's exactly it. And so 2017 we aired um, and just really kind of launched the company. Um, lot, I mean, it was insane after, 
after we aired on Shark Tank. It was? Yeah. So to give you a frame of reference, you got to understand too, it's like we, I never, we never wanted this to be a thing. Like it was just something that we were going to do on the side. And then more and more people would see it on social media and they'd be like, hey, how can I buy this? And I was like, fuck, I don't know. And then so <laughs> ask so Bill. Then, <laughs> so then I, you know, research how to open up a Shopify store. And so then I started doing that. And then our goal was like, hey, let's just try to make one sale a day. Like that would be cool. And so the year and a half we were open as a company before going on Shark Tank, we had done like 2000 orders uh, online. The five days after airing on Shark Tank, we did 4,000 orders within Holy five days. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It did, was. Did they tell you, hey, brace yourself, pump up your inventory because shit's going to get wild? Dude. Yeah. Well, yes and no. Um, a lot of this stuff, you're just out there to figure it out on your own. So you better be fucking smart at what you're doing. Um or not were you, able to, were you able to fulfill those orders? Yes. And the reason, see, this is what a lot of people like this is like inside baseball, right? So we went, we filmed an episode in June of 16 and we knew we got a deal obviously at that time. Our episode didn't air until February of 17. Okay. Right? So we got seven a, months, eight months later, seven, eight month gap in there. Um, we make everything ourselves. Like we don't use it. We don't outsource. We don't have a co-packer. We manufacture everything ourselves in hand. So then it's like, well, how much do we need to make? I couldn't even tell you how to even guesstimate that. Right. And then contractually, they're not obligated to tell you. They give you two weeks heads up of when you're going to air. Okay. So, so you're just out there. Like, how do you even get a thousand of those cans? So, so you need money for that. Is, right. Is, right. The, is the short answer. So now... And I, and by virtue of me working f- for the department of energy, as long as I could, every bit of profit, I just reinvested back into the gym. And so I've never gone into debt for anything. And oh, just, Bill loves that. And <laughs> Bill ever talked to you about that? No, not specifically about that, but I'm just fucking too scared. I hate smart, healthy fear. I hate having to owe anyone anything. Um, so anyways, so it's like, well, let's just put a target out there that we're going to need 2000 of these. And you start calculating like, uh, you're going to need like $40,000 worth of inventory. Wow. And it's just like, okay, well, where do we get that? And so now I've, now I'm having to go in debt, the biggest amount of debt I've ever had to go in at this point in my life, all on a prayer that this thing airs and it goes over well. And then we have to hire somebody to make all this stuff in between it. So there's a lot of, a lot of risk, a lot of uncertainty. What do you mean? Like make this cook, the soap or make the soap yep. or mold, yep. whatever we, those grenades yeah. are. Yeah. Someone has to do that. Somebody has, somebody has each, to build each one of those. Yep. And so fortunately, man, it, it worked out. Um, so we were able to get 4,000 orders and fulfill them all within, within five days. Wow. And literally it as it's airing, are you seeing the orders? Oh my in? God, dude. We had, uh, I remember trying to watch the analytics on Shopify as it was airing and trying to pay attention to what they were saying. Yeah. 
And I looked up and at one point there was like 13,000 people on the website at one time. I was like, oh, Did your website ever crash? No, it didn't. And because, awesome. so I started reaching out to other companies who had gone on and was just like, Hey, can you help me? What, what can we do? What can we expect? Um, and a lot of that's just like the lessons you learn by owning a CrossFit gym. Like I, everything successful I learned either from the military or fucking up a CrossFit gym for the first five years of its existence. And, and, and so that, what was your partner's name again? The, the lady's name? Renee Wallace. Renee Wallace. And yep. so, and, and so that company's still going strong. Yeah. We're kicking it, man. We're kicking it. We're actually trying to dig out from holiday sales right now. God, that is so awesome. I'm so excited for you. And then they did a recap. I saw the, I saw the, the, the link to the recap. They did a recap recently yep. talking about your success. Yep. Yeah. And, and so when you're looking at this from a brand marketing standpoint, it's just like, how can we take advantage of this show as much as possible? Right. Um, we got, well, obviously we got a deal. That's step one. Step two is like they sent a home package. So they sent afterwards, they sent people down here to film us live. So we yeah. got an extra two minutes of footage there. Yeah. Um, and the episode turned out to be really good. And then we got the follow on episode. Was Renee ever like, Hey, I don't want any of your drug addict buddies working at our company. No. So she wasn't like, Hey, you're getting too squirrel. You're getting too risky for me. So here's why Yeah. Renee at the time, she was addicted to crack. (laughs) (laughs) Close. (laughs) Close. Um, She was dating the guy who worked at the counseling center that set this whole thing up. What the fuck? Yeah. She was dating the guy. Hey, there's and- only six people who live in Portsmouth. It's really not that. <laughs> yeah. It's not. I need to speak to the mayor. Yes, here I am. I need to speak to the garbage man. Yes, I'm here. That's pr- that's not a far off representation. <laughs> and then, so also, uh, she's real big into yoga. So she teaches yoga to clients. So, wow. yeah. That's uh, me. Yeah. You own your you own your gym outright. Yep. So I'm 100. percent And yet you're a partner in this in in the business. Yep. Yeah, that could be a whole episode. Is it challenging having a partner? It is. It is. Yeah. But I think for us, like we have well defined roles mm-hmm. into into what we're doing. Um, and like she she does all the main like she takes care of the employees. She ensures we bills are paid. She ensures she does all the shit that I hate to do, and she likes to do that. Uh-huh. Um, and then I'm just kind of there to help push sales and marketing. And um, it, I know that you mill guys have a, a, a very bl- a blunt way of uh, can have a blunt way of communication and that can rub some people wrong. Um, yeah. Especially like regular people like I, yeah. you know, like us Berkeley folk. Um, but, but it's highly effective and, and it allows things to move very quickly was there an, an entry period for her in dealing with you? She, so the good thing about Renee is she had been a member of my gym pretty much since like year one. Uh-huh. So she knew who I am. She, she knows, she knew what she was getting herself into. Right. Um, and, um, but you're right. Like I'll say some shit and I'll say some shit just fucking that. I think I is no big deal. And then I'll look up and I'll see tears and I'm like, Okay, well, that's not what <laughs> I got. Yeah. I got. 
I got to walk it back. And you, know, you just have to learn. You have to learn how to communicate the most effective manner with the audience that you have. I will say this too. If you have some of these people in your life, you have to work on that shit too. Uh, my first year uh, working at CrossFit with all the mill guys was fucking tough. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the truth is, is it was me. It wasn't them. It was it, all me. It's a dude. I, and I mean, I, as a 22 year old dude going to 10th group and yeah. wasn't a tab guy. So like, I wasn't a special forces guy. I was a support guy for them. Yeah. And I know how they talk about you guys. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I was like, at every point in my life, I had been like the top dog until then. Right. Rather it was sports. Now you're just stuff. support. I heard people, is- Dave used to tell me that he's like, you're in the media team. You're just support. <laughs> just fucking just spit on me. And I was like, it, I fucking felt, uh, I don't even know like that. I just went into work every day and I was like, I have to prove that I'm worthy enough to fucking be here. Yeah. And and that was my, that was my attitude. And it took, it took, took a while. Like you're going to get beat. I mean, not physically, like you're going to get like, you're going to get beat on. There we go. There's a 10th grouper. Um, God, I love this show. You're going to get beat on. You're going to get abused. You're going to get, you're going to see if you can take it. Um, and then like, once you prove your worth, man, like you're, you're part of the club. Like you're fucking, you're, you're the dude. Someone DM me the other day. They go, why were you like, uh, you know, fucking with Hill? There's a guy, Andrew Hiller, who's in the YouTube space now. Mm-hmm. And he, and he came on pretty strong about a year ago. And in the beginning I would fuck with them. Like, just like on my show, just talk yeah. shit about him a little bit. And they're like, and now you guys are buddies. They're like, why'd you do that? I go hazing process, bro. Yeah. Short ship. That's how it, I test them. They're faint. It's like, just, you know, just <laughs> some, like what, you know, and see how he reacts. Just like nothing, you know, but, and fucking he, he was a stud. Yeah, man. He's a, he's, he, I, he's a you good, gotta play the game. Now we're yeah. buddies. Yeah. He's a good dude. But yeah. So everyone I mean, needs I, a little good hazing once in a while. Yeah. I mean, like you have to, you just, and that was the lesson. It was just like, all right, dude, you got to fucking prove your worth. Like, it's, it's a moonshot that you got here. And like, those guys were like my fucking heroes. Like I was like, Oh shit. Now I'm the, <laughs> I'm deploying with them. So we better get this, better get this shit together. So you got good people in your life. Oh my God. I, I have been blessed with amazing people, opportunities just to like the last time I was at Greg's, <laughs> How did you meet Greg before you go there? How so, did you meet Greg? I know. Wasn't that crazy? We're at a party <laughs> with all those people. Like we're just hanging out with Rodney Mullen and shit. That was fucking nuts. I looked around. I was recently, by the way. I looked around. And I was just like having a conversation with myself. I'm like, what in the fuck are you doing here? Like what, what role? Head, are- head AI guy from Google's there and shit. Yeah. That shit was crazy. I was just like, so then, so going back to like proving my worth, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make sure this fucking fire doesn't go out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. keep putting wood in the fire. And, Look and at we'll... Russell Berger was there. Yeah, dude. Yeah. William Briggs, Roger Kimball. Hey, so how did you meet Greg? So, so, the... so just to finish off, so the company's up and running. It's its own fucking show. Yep. It's a beast. We yeah, do so show Doc's down Martin. the road here talking about how to start a business maybe. Doc Spartan is, is cruising. It's doing great. Um, so we're 2017. We air on shark tank. 
Now we need like more people to work. So then that's when we offered Andrew the job. Um, and then he had it like we had another opportunity. So we hired another guy. Um, and just so a he went quick, from cleaning. He went from cleaning the floors to working at Doc Spartan. Yep. And then after he started working at Doc Spartan for a little while, then he got his level one. And then he started doing coaching. Now he's fucking coaching classes that he used to be a client of. Wow. And he's coaching classes at my gym as well. So when you say close to coaching classes, he was a client of meaning he has a class with uh, addicts in recovery. Yep. Wow. That's dope. They might, do they love him? Andrew is like, I don't think he even understands how much people look up to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just from my own, from the guys on my own crew and just like people in recovery in general around the town. Um, it must be weird to see people go from just shells of themselves with no self-esteem to just like fucking believing in themselves. Dude, what it a, what a trippy transformation. But what a fucking great life. Oh, yeah. Look at this. Look at these slides, guys. This is a crazy Instagram post. This one's nuts. Yeah, look at him. He might end up in movies. He's a stud, dude. And back on drugs again. Well, oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Go to the beginning. Yeah, this. This is just nuts. Oh, yeah, that dude's a savage, too. Look at this guy. This guy turned into Brad Pitt. So, yeah, let, let me stop you right there. So, this is yeah. Ricky. Ricky is one of my favorite fucking people in the world. Um, he was our second full-time employee through Doc Spartan after this process. And it was actually, I think two years ago to the date almost. Anyways, we cut, we write him his first check, give it to him. He goes back. He comes back to the conference room. He pulls the fucking check out of his pocket, like looks at it like this, folds it back, looks at Renee and I and go, uh, I just want to say thanks because for the first time in my life, I can buy my kid a Christmas present. And I was like, I still like get choked up about it today. And I was like, this guy just like, that's fucking what I get to like, that's the people I want to be around. That's the people I want to spend time with. That's like, I feel fucking so blessed and fulfilled that these people are in my life. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Go to the next slide. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This, uh, this is another, like, this is Sarah, man. Fuck, she's so amazing. And, and is she, does she work at the gym or at Doc Spartan? She runs the, the packaging and grinding place we'll talk about here in a minute. Okay. God, Pill Billy. She's a, she's a CrossFit coach at a satellite facility. Yeah, she look in that picture too. Now she just looks like a like a mom that drives yeah. a minivan that does CrossFit. Yep. Like she just looks like your regular CrossFit mom. Look at her. Yeah, man. And then there's Andrew. And now they have each other, you know? Oh yeah. Now they have each other. That now is so awesome. Holy so like cow. Shared shared experience, shared suffering kind of thing. It's family. Same thing you're going to find in the military. And, you, you started know, making kettlebells there too? No, no, no. So how that, so I'll tell you that story. 2020 couldn't buy shit. <clears throat> um, like you couldn't even get shit from rogue at that time. Oh, because of the, the COVID, COVID restrictions. Yeah. Right. Okay. 
So there was a guy at my gym. Um, he was head of sales for a local foundry here. So foundry is just like a company that pours iron into different parts and pieces, right? So uh, if you actually think about a 45 pound iron plate, like that's a great example of, of what a foundry does. Um, and then there was like a GQ article that said the great kettlebell shortage of 2020. And I just happened to read that online. And so I asked the guy at the foundry, I said, Hey, could you guys make kettlebells here? Like, is that something that you could do? He's like, yeah, man, like we wanting to get in that business for a long time, but it's just never been able to, to figure like talk to the right person. So, so I'm like, well, I, I emailed Bill and I say, Hey, would you guys ever be interested in seeing if we could make kettlebells in Portsmouth, Ohio? And he's like, fuck yeah, like let's let's do it. And so I sent an email to the guy, Osco, Osco is the name of the foundry, and Bill. And like within a month or two, they were <laughs> they were making kettlebells here in Portsmouth, Ohio. Oh shit. Yeah, dude. And Are so still making them there? Fuck yeah. So if you go on Rogue's website, wow. you can see like the ones that are made in Ohio. I think I saw, did I see a little documentary on that or something? Like a little video on that? There, there's, there's been some news clips probably. But so here I go. I go from like getting, this is like. My How far life. is that place from where you're standing right now where they're making kettlebells? Half mile. Half mile up the street. And they just basically like they they get big chunks of metal, melt them down and, and pour them into a mold. I mean, I'm oversimplifying. No, that. that's really. So Matt. Put so them in a truck and send them up to Columbus. And then build so, yep. Imagine uh, railroad ties, like old railroad uh, tracks. Yeah. Dude, they'll take those, melt them down. There you go. Those are oh. those, those are made in Portsmouth, Ohio. I can't believe how nice those look. They are I made picture. in Portsmouth. I'm going to say it three times. Like those are those are made in my hometown from the same fucking. Now this is where I get off. Like I start going down my revenge. Uh, I got fucking kicked out of a gym in 2009 for bringing kettlebells in. And like 11 years later, they're making kettlebells in Portsmouth, Ohio. Crazy. Who, who owns that company? Does Bill own that company? That's, that's rogue. So they're, they're rogue kettlebells and he's uh, obviously rogue doesn't have their own foundry. So they, um, I wouldn't say obviously <laughs> that's true. Um, so they, they reached out to even like, if you go down to the description, Caleb, It'll tell you they're made here in Osco. Like I think it's all the way at the bottom. That video showing of how oh it is there cast by Osco Industries. There yep. it is. Yep. Go down a little bit more. Let me look at those pictures, Caleb. There might even be like a little video there. There is. Yeah, Rogue does have a video of it, and it's a fucking awesome video. Yeah, his film guys are dope. Yeah, so they're they're the smaller ones. From like 44 and under or here in Portsmouth and the bigger ones are up in Michigan. Hey, um, are you following what's happening to Travis Bajan's son? No, I've heard you talk about it, but I, I don't know much other than that. It's fucking nuts, dude. It is really like he, he's on the path to becoming like a household name for fucking throwing a football around. I mean, he's just it's, the all time college football touchdown passing record. This fucking kid broke. No shit. All time. Yeah. He's like the greatest. And coaches are saying he's like the greatest quarterback they've ever seen. It, 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 it's nuts. And he's division two. That's legit. 
And he's a CrossFitter, a hardcore CrossFitter. That's awesome. Yeah. And That's a lover awesome. of Rogue. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get him set up with Bill and Katie. Like, dude, they have the Tyson Bajan shirt or some shit. <laughs> like, like, fuck. Like, hook him up. Yeah. I mean, oh, shit. Such, and he's such a good kid. That's he's, awesome. Yeah. He reminds me so much of Rich Froning. He reminds me so much of Rich Froning. Damn. Just in like that demeanor. Okay. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. So you not only changed, you, you st- started your gym, started one business, started another business with uh, Renee Wallace, and then helped this other guy. Are, are you part owner of that? No. So, metal? so you jumpstart that business for that guy. So yeah. And, I, and just solely, I was like, let's fucking make these things in Portsmouth, Ohio. Had Does no- he employ any of your former addicts? Nope. Nothing. No. I just Fuck, was like- He needs to. If there's a need, like let's, I want this shit done in my hometown, right? Yeah. And so he starts. Are you gonna run for mayor? (laughs) No, no. I don't want to do with any of that mess. So, so this is like a key example of like. So then my other buddies were like, "Well, hey, did you ask for like a percentage? Uh, Did you get commission on that deal?" I'm like, "No, dumbass. Like that's not how. That's not why you do it." Well, they start getting up and running. Osco comes back to me and they're like, Hey man, uh, we have to package these kettlebells. Like we're meaning like each kettlebell gets two boxes, styrofoam ship ready door to door. And I was like, okay, well they're like, we're, we're a, we pour iron man. Like we're not, we're not a packaging company. Um, but would you like to open up a packaging company and do it for us? And I was like, well, Fuck yeah, that's that's uh I can do that. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. So having like so now I gotta go find a building, now I gotta go find employees, now I gotta go find all this. Um, do you know how many people would have fucked that up, Dale? Do you know how many people would have been like jealous and wanted a piece of that fucking kettlebell company and like jumped a gun too soon and instead you waited for it to like boomerang and come back to you? I'm I'm, I'm mean, telling you, so many people would have fucked that up. To me, you know why? Because they think the world's out to get them. They don't understand how the mechanisms of the world work. To me, it was about having it done in my hometown. That was it. Sure. Right. That was it. Um, Very selfish of you. So, so then I was like, well, fuck, I guess. Uh, but now, so we had two years of experience getting people jobs at Doc Spartan. So here's how it works. I I only coach one class a week, but I have sub, we do 25 classes a week for the counseling center at their place, which is fucking nuts. That's five classes a day. Um, so we get to see people. Basically we get to recruit. They and have assess. a gym there. They have a gym there. Yeah. Or sp- yeah okay. They have a, they have their own CrossFit gym inside their facility. So we, I will cherry pick the hardest workers that need jobs. Once a job becomes available, I'll then ask them if they're looking for employment. When we're then we started getting full at Doc Spartan, meaning we had no other jobs. And then so this packaging company became available and it's called it's called Spartan Solutions Group. And Sarah runs that company. I mean, from fucking I have limited. I just provide direction. She's there every day ensuring shit gets done, shit gets made and shit gets out. So she had she runs her own crew of three to four people. And and how and, and Sarah was the one we saw a picture of that was a former addict that went through the program. And when you say you pick these people from the hardest, you mean like 
the people at the gym that's at the rehab facility, they're there five days a week. And whether they know it or not, they're not only working out, getting fit, finding a group of people, but they're also applying for a job, but they don't know it. But they don't know it. Yeah. That's crazy. We're always assessing and recruiting out of there. So good. Um, and there it is again. Who do you want? I don't give a fuck about your Fran time. I need to see you come five days a week and try your hardest. And then that's how I know you're the best plumber that ever existed. Yep. Yep. Or the best violinist or whatever. Yeah. It's yeah, so man. Cool. And then you just have to, what, what employers get fucked up on is you need to provide mentorship to your employees just because they work for you that in a normal scenario. Yes. But for these guys, like, we just say, hey, your recovery comes first. And when we say be here at 9 a.m., be here at 9 a.m. And if you're ever unaccounted for more than one time, we have to let you go. Everything else. How many people have you had to let go? Through at the packaging company, it's I'd say it's like 50%. 50%, yeah. Yeah, because it's hard fucking work, man. Dude, yeah, yeah. It's hard fucking work, but they but, – But are those 50% relapse? No, they just could either find other jobs. They could okay, be relapses. Okay. I'm cool with that. Um, I'm, cool with, I'm not cool with the relapses. Did Did you see the video we did with? Do you, Do you know Schind, Schindeldecker? You do know him. That is a good fucking friend of mine. What What a f- man? There's some parallels here, here right? Yeah, we talk frequently. Yeah. Um, Matt, I there's, I hold Matt in very very high regard. Me too. There's like, you talk about like me, I'm fortunate enough to meet these people and go to opportunities. Like at any point I can call Craig Howard. I can call Matt. I can call like guys who I look at and respect as like mentors to figure my own shit out. And that's where a lot of it is just being successful. It's just being able to call on the right people. So, so you start this other company called uh, Spartan solutions. Yep. And they somehow, how far is that from where you're standing right now? 800 meters down the road. Okay. So in this loop, in this um, city center, there's the place that makes the kettlebells. Um, and then there's the place where they, does the car, do you take the cardboard to them? No. So the kettlebells um, go there and they package up and mail out of there. Actually, the way it works is raw castings come out of Osco. Those raw castings are the kettlebells. Those raw kettlebells then need to go be finished, meaning they need to be grinded down to ensure there's no rough patches on them. That's done at another facility. Then from there, the the machined kettlebells go to the paint shop. They get coated. Then once they're coated, they come to us and we, they get packaged for final delivery. And is that all in all those um, steps are in Portsmouth? There's a couple that are done outside of Portsmouth, but Southern Ohio for sure. God, that is so cool. And that's what people don't understand is like, we talk supply chain, like that's what it takes to get shit done in America. Right. There's a lot of moving pieces and parts and that's what Rogue is great at. Does this um, uh, Spartan Solutions, have they also taken on the role of packaging the Doc Spartan uh, stuff like the deodorants and the- No, we have our own guys, our own guys that do that. But what we did, so here's like a great example of how success breeds more success. So I open up a company. It's completely ran by people in recovery, also known as addicts, right? So Sarah runs the show. And so she does, she's doing all the direct interface with Osco. 
Osco, I'd say, is like easily maybe a couple hundred million dollar company. Oh, it um, is? Yeah. I mean, they're doing shit all over the place. Um, and Sarah's the one doing the direct interface. And because of her credibility and trust and reputation that she's developed, Osco came back to us and was like, hey, we're making thousands of these small parts. We, we don't have the capacity to finish them in in the company, would you guys mind taking on this, this work? So now we have like a full on other line of business to where we're like grinding these small cast iron parts by the thousands um, and getting it done for their clients. So give me an example of what another part would be like something that's made for cars. And then, and then they would be like, Hey, uh, we need these finished by this day. And, and they send them over to you and she gets them done and sends them back. Yep. It's yeah, wow, it, dude. It's always nuts. And I'm telling you, like, I have zero fucking experience with that. <laughs> zero, because now, so again, do, do 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 how often do you get to get? So is your day just filled with going to your different teams, pretty much, and, and finding out what they need from you? Yeah. So the good part is uh, the gym and Doc Spartan are co-located, so it's one building. Um, Spartan Solutions Warehouse is like two blocks down the street. So Sarah can always come here if, she, if something's popping or I always try to stop by there as much as I can. Um, but it's, you never know what the fuck's going to happen on a, uh, on a given, given basis with everything going on. God. Uh, yeah, um, so how long has Sarah been doing it? Since 2020. Does she know how to like if an employee's does she know how to talk to employees? Like that shit's hard. That shit could take five years or ten years to figure that shit out. You know what I mean? Like to to do straight talk with someone. So without you know, like, Dale, this is the third time you came in late. It's only five minutes, but I, I have no tolerance for it. And I'm tired of you fucking parking your car over there where it says no. And you're not representing our company well just in the area. I saw you smoking out front, throw your cigarettes on the ground. Come on, man. Like, can she do that shit? She she can that do shit's that. Shit's scary. Shit. She can. Well, here's the thing, dude. That's those are easy problems. Like th- that, those are easy problems. So um, we have a guy. She has a guy who works for her. His his name's Rooster, and uh, fuck man, Ro- Rooster's gone through some some tough shit in his day, and um, he's finally progressed to the point to where he now has his own apartment. Well, because he like kind of went under uh, significant care. He's on his own. Some shit got dropped off, like doctor's appointments and uh, in this case, like antipsychotic meds. So he it was like three or four weeks without taking his antipsychotic meds. And so now she has to take on the role of like talking to his physician to ensure that it gets oh, the, the, the right script, gets to the pharmacy. And so he doesn't fucking kill himself. Or anything worse, you know, right? Like that's the shit that she's dealing with to ensure he's taken care of. Oh my goodness. And that's what I'm trying to like express to people. Cause otherwise what happens if we don't do that? He falls, he, he relapses. He's homeless homeless in a week at best, if not fucking dead. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause the shit that that's on the streets now will just kill you. Um, do you have any friends die in Portsmouth? Yes. Um, to try to take this full, full circle. Um, 
the guy who's set this all up. So the executive, his name's Billy, the executive for the counseling center. He was their lawyer. So he was their chief legal counsel, my fucking best friend. Well, he relapsed. Um, he relapsed 12 months ago, uh, Halloween of last year. And, uh, fucking died. Oh my God. So the guy, hey, not uncommon for these, by the way, no. this isn't the first time I've heard that someone who runs, I just heard this story actually very recently where this person runs uh, like seven uh, recovery homes and they relapsed. Yeah. And, uh, the guy, who, this was his vision, his idea to get, to get the CrossFit thing stood up to then like breach into community partnerships with employers. It was his idea. And Why did he relapse? He, well, basically he ended up, he got fired from the counseling center. Um, probably because for, I couldn't pinpoint it, but he got fired and it was his fault. Um, and so it goes back to, he had no identity now. Uh, he was a part of a unit steam fell turned to the back to whatever drugs he was doing. And he started to isolate. What, what he, drug did he, what killed him? He, uh, coroner's report. It was, uh, fentanyl poisoning with cocaine. So he was doing cocaine and it was laced with fentanyl and, uh, killed him, killed him, man. And Where does, my, fentanyl come from? Does, it, does it come from China? So, in my opinion, what's happening is all the all the substrates are chemically made in China. They're shipped over to Mexico. The cartels put them together, and then they come across the border. Because if you look, if you look like this is what people don't understand. Like if you look at uh, a packet of sugar, right, like that size of what we're dealing with, that amount of sugar that's in there, if that was fentanyl, that can kill two thousand people. That's that's the my new minuscule microscopic amount that can kill people. Like that's what you're dealing with. Does it ever drive you? Do you ever look at like, like this footage? Like I'm sure you've seen it, the footage of the border and it's just like thousands of people coming over every day and no one's stopping them. And they're actually being helped over the border and they're coming in and you know, no one's vaccinated. No one's wearing masks. No one like it's just a fucking free for all at the border. Meanwhile, our country is force injecting our kids. It's it's like uh, making people wear masks, shutting down small businesses. Do you ever just want to just? I, I how could, do you deal with this big picture? How do you process what the fuck we're seeing? Well, it's worse than that. So, uh, and that there's people at their top that are allowing this. That are what, what's it? they're co- basic. Basically, they're all codependents. The whole co the whole COVID pandemic was a codependent for bad lifestyle choices. Code oh. was codependency. Well, here's what happened with uh, people in recovery. When you get fucking shut down, you have no access to your treatment. Did you have to shut your gym down? So we we shut our gym down in the height of it. Ohio was actually pretty common sense. I, we, why do you have to follow rules in Dukes of Hazard Land? <laughs> I mean, you really are. In, BFE, aren't you? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what ended up happening was we shut down because honestly, like no one knew what the fuck was happening. Right. So you right. didn't want to exacerbate the problem. Well, then it was like six weeks, five weeks into it. It was just like, this makes no fucking sense. Like we're doing worse by not allowing people here. 
So I was basically like, fuck it. <clears throat> We're going to open up. And, and just kind of did it like tongue in cheek. Like we're not having workouts. We're having meetings. If you, if, if you're a member and you want to come here and have a meeting, we'll do it. Right. And sure as shit, man, like day one that I kind of put it out there that we were going to do it. Um, there's a poor lady from the health department. She just came in here and she was like, well, I bet you know why I'm here. And I just tried to play it like super like, Oh no, what's going on? Want to join? <laughs> so she goes, we just can't let you uh, – and we here's how we fucked up. We fucked up by telling people – you should have told them not park in the fucking parking lot. Like that. Right, right. That's how we fucked it up. Um, Got to park down the road. Yeah, like, come on, guys. Like this is not your first like illegal – Like hang over your girlfriend's house. So anyway, she goes, uh, we can't let you – can't let you open up. And I was like, well, what can you let us do? I tried to like throw it back on her. Yeah, I like that. And uh, she's like, well – how about this? How about we let you guys uh, work out in the parking lot? Oh, and I was like, Oh fuck. Like that's common. Like that's a compromise. That's a common sense compromise. We were the only County in Ohio that had out in outdoor workout permission for a month before the governor lifted the uh, wow. restriction. So every gym inside of the County got to tell their members they could work out outside Cause it was like a, it was a local authority kind of thing. Yeah. yeah and then yeah. I'll do you one better. So that lady comes in here. She lets us do it. Like f- two days later, I get a call from a Columbus number uh, and it was like from the state capital. And I was like, Oh fuck, here we go. And uh, this lady's like, Hey, we want you to be on the governor's committee to reopen gyms. Oh, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, what are you, do you know, like what you're, t-? she's like, yeah, we want you to be on the committee to reopen gyms. Um, because we want like you basically, she's like, we want you to represent smaller gyms who aren't like Globo gyms and yeah. won't happen. So we tried to try to push for common sense rules of like that little gym shouldn't have to follow that big gyms do kind of thing. So, yeah. And did you take the role? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I took the role. And that's why, like, we were only shut down for two months, I believe. And then when gyms were allowed to be open, like, it was basically, like, just clean your shit when you come in, clean your shit when you leave. That was the only rules. Um, I, I, speaking of, um, of of roles, the the affiliate, you were, uh, let me get the right word right. I, I'm sure you don't even know what the word is. It's changed so many fucking <laughs> well, I can tell you what it is now. <laughs> Uh, you were the affiliate leader job at CrossFit field team representative. And I, I know that they've worded it. Um, and, and I'm sorry for ambushing you with this. I know that they worded it, that they weren't renewing your contracts, but basically that's a friendly way of saying 16 people were just fired a few days ago from CrossFit Inc. And they were the um, field team representatives for the United States of America. Yeah. I mean, yes, we, we started off. It was Dave's Dave's idea for this role during his brief tenure as the CEO. And do you um, know who was tasked with starting that program? Uh, I have, who well, Dave tasked with starting the program? As far as I know, Danielle, she's the one that reached out to us. No, oh, no you're, shit. You're talking to him. Yeah. Oh. And it was, uh, and I put uh, Matt Bischel and Tyson Oldroyd in charge of it. Okay. Do you know who Tyson is? Former, I know. I yeah, fucking yeah, okay. love Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. Great dude. Great. They're both great guys. Anyway. Okay. I, I don't think Danielle had, I'm trying to think of, 
trying to think when Danielle came in. I think when we started, I don't remember. I don't, I, I think it went from Tyson and Matt. Then it got transferred to Jimmy Letchford. I, and I think Danielle took it over after the company was sold. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, that makes sense. Yeah. That's what, okay. Um, but yeah, so there are no, we were affiliate reps and then we became in CrossFit ambassadors was the term after the games. Um, and then, yeah, they just told us yesterday that uh, they're not renewing the contract or not yesterday, like three days. Uh, ago? Yeah. No, they told us last week. Sorry. Last week, but very recently. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and why did they do, do you, do you, do you, have, do you have any idea why were you doing a shitty job? Were you like out driving around in the, um, using the CrossFit gas card and filling up your card? Why, why were all you guys let go? Uh, I'm not above doing that, but, uh, uh, I, I just honestly think they're wanting to go a different direction with it. Um, maybe do something other different. It, it just, honestly, from a business standpoint, it, this is my opinion. Um, it really makes no sense for us to be there when they hired four to, I forget, four to six reps to be like the full-time job. We were always part-time. Right. And I think I saw a post, Gary Gaines made a post that showed like this other team that was simultaneously working alongside your team. Did any of those dudes get fired? No. So, Uh, so that's the new team. You guys were replaced with a smaller team. Yes. That's under Austin and not under Danielle. Right. But we were at the games. We all got, um, we were all under Austin at the game. Okay. Okay. So they transfer you all under Austin, but then the ones that were eventually let go were all the ones who had originally worked with Danielle. It's no, it's super like it's super convoluted. Some of the original reps got jobs as the full time reps. Oh, okay. Okay. Does that makes sense. Yeah, so that's yeah. why so it's it, not that cut and dry. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, okay. it's not cut and dry at all. Um, but either way, a shit ton of shit, 16 people got let go is what I heard. I don't know if it's 16. I, I think it's less than that. It's, okay. it's whatever, whoever the ambassadors were that um, didn't become the full time reps. Part of me thinks that they should just ditch all those dudes, everyone, and, and invest that money into making media. Like like that affiliate commercial I made, that cost uh, uh, 87 cents to make. Yeah, and that you was – You know what I mean? And so like you could make a video every single day for for the affiliates instead of having affiliate reps. And if I was an affiliate, I'd want that. Like I'd get rid of all those dudes. I Save the money. Yeah, I could I could see that case. Yeah. I can see that. Or case. just get rid of one dude who just makes a lot of money and keep all the others. You could do it any way you want. Well, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you can keep 10 of the fucking grunts and get rid of the top dog or get rid of the 10 grunts. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I, I use think, that money to actually um, do stuff that spreads the message every single day. That's what I do. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a big improvement for media production and content. It's just as far as frequency for sure. Um, I do think, affiliate owners like to have somebody they can talk to that kind of straddles that line of HQ slash I'm your bro affiliate owner. Um, I think there's value in that as well. I think there's value in like these, when I said these young guys, because I'm old as fuck, but if you're a relatively new affiliate owner, um, there's big time value in in finding a mentor, like somebody to tell you not. I don't think that mentor should work at CrossFit Inc though. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. I hear, I hear what you're saying. I just think that the truth is like, if you're hungry, I can hold your hand and you'll feel better. 
But if I leave you and go pick food for you, you'll feel worse, but there's more chance you'll be successful and survive because I'm not picking food for you. And so I would use that metaphor to say, get rid of all those people, start making media and, uh, and, and, and people's feelings might be hurt, but the truth is in the long run, it'll be better for them. You know, the the company used to be described for many years, Greg would tell us we are a media team Mm -hmm. or we're a media company. We're a media company. We're a media company. And we had four primary teams. We had media games, training and affiliates. Now there is no media there. There truly there is no media department. There's basically just like a, a fucking copy machine and a couple cameras. I mean, just to be completely honest and it's called, it's yeah. called the marketing team. And so they outsource everything and it's just the whole thing has changed. I I'm having trouble on reconciling it in my own head because they fucking need a media team. They will not be successful doing outside marketing for crossfitting. They will not. These are the, the, and I want to propose one more thing to you while I'm on my high horse. I love it. There's, there's a, there's water called Perrier and it's a fucking French brand or whatever the fuck it is. And that's why we like it. There's Evian and I don't know where that water comes from, but that's why we like it. And there's Gucci and it's from Italy and that's why we like it. Those brands aren't trying to be like other, like if I found out that that was a fucking um, uh, Icelandic brand, I would fucking Gucci. I would like it less. And the, in the, in the furry jackets they make in Iceland, I love those. I don't need to, them to be inclusive of people fucking in India. I don't want, if I find out they're manufacturing those in India, I'm bummed. CrossFit is a fucking American brand. It is a fucking American brand. Embrace it. The hero wads are all going to be American military guys. It's Okay. Yeah, and we shouldn't it's apologize okay. for that. He, no, and people should love it. If you're fucking in the Ecuadorian army, you, you don't get a fucking hero wad because half your fucking army works for the fucking cartel, and it's not an American brand. Start your own shit. Start cartel fit because that shit would be cool too. But they're going to fuck this thing up if they don't fucking start re- getting back to their base. Like, look, you found – like this whole story on accident. I didn't like script this out in my head. This whole story is about a, a mill guy with a successful fucking affiliate who was looking for something and CrossFit saved his life. It's the full circle. If you're in the United States military, you want to go to the United States military, you should be in CrossFit if you want to be the best soldier possible because currently it's the best thing for GPP known on the planet. And then afterwards, when you get out, if you need a community and a place to heal and a place to be around good people and a place to stay fit and stay out of trouble, come back to CrossFit. And then maybe if you know if you're capable, you'll start a CrossFit gym that turns into a kettlebell manufacturing company that turns into a cardboard box. It's like it's so obvious what the story is. This is a fucking American company. This uh, America is is um, Chinese is an ethnicity. Armenian is an ethnicity. These countries are also their own ethnicities. That's not what's going on in here in America. America is a is a way of life. It's a mindset. It's a philosophy. It's an ideal. Yeah, it's it's perfectly okay for CrossFit Inc. to be American, and it will still flourish all over the world. Anyway, that's how I feel. I'm open to you pushing back on it too. If you're like, no, Savon, that's a little extreme. And like, no, hey, listen, you'll never get pushed back on me. No, you can from promoting oh. from promoting American idealism across the fucking country, um, or across, across the, the world. world. Well, yeah, across the world. I would never expect Gucci to be like, fuck you. I would never, I would, I never want Gucci to be like, oh, we're going to make bags in Compton to help people. Nah, yeah. I, I prefer you just keep doing it in Milan, so I can like be like, look at my shit. Yeah, I to me, and this is solely opinion of Dale King, um, 
CrossFit needs to be a brand worth fucking following to inspire guys and women out there who want to change and do good in their neighborhoods. And to do that, you, you can't, you have to be willing to sharpen your blade to cut through bullshit to inspire those people who want to, who want to, who want to raise that fucking flag and do good. And I mean, I'm unapologetically loyal and faithful to Greg for what he's given me. And when I signed paperwork to be an affiliate, I expected nothing from CrossFit other than to use the name. Um, how, can you tell me how you met him? <clears throat> so we met on a Zoom during COVID. Is, is oh yeah? Oh, I'm sure I was on that call you too. Were. I don't know. Wow, yep. you were, you were, yep. And then how did you take the? I mean, he was he was sitting down with twenty or thirty affiliates every day. How did you then? Because now you guys are friends. Yeah, now he talks about you. Now he talks about you like you're a friend, which is fucking wild to begin with. But, uh, um, yeah. How, how did how did that happen? What happened to the next level? Did he call you after, or you called him, or? So the very the very first Zoom. This is what was been recounted to me afterwards. Is uh, there was me and another guy named Josh Honeycutt that were on the same Zoom together. And yeah, Josh, incredible Josh, guy. Josh is from Detroit. Incredible guy. And one of my fucking good friends. It was also just laid off. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, Greg was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of these meetings, but I know I want to um, have follow on meetings with Josh and Dale. And so then we did another Zoom call where he was just basically like, uh, I want to hear more about your guys' stories. It's, it's, it's really what it was like. And then he gave, uh, he gave me his phone number during that Zoom call. And then, dude, like it was three. I mean, the month later, the whole sale went down. Um, so I had his number and I was like, fuck, man, like this guy's going to jump off a fucking bridge. Like I don't, I'm concerned about his well-being. Oh, Greg's, you were yeah. concerned because he lost his baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or so I just, yeah, it, this is what I was thinking, you know. So I just started yeah. hammering texting him. I was like, hey, man, you Okay how can I help? Like what's going on? And we just always, always reach out to him. And then, uh, <laughs> this is a great Greg story. So November of 21. Yeah. Last year, November of 21, uh, Greg reaches out and he's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be in Columbus. I'm going to visit an affiliate. Uh, would you want to come up? And I was like, fuck yeah, I'm coming up. So he flies his, pri- his private jet. And then, no, not not me, because he thought I just live right next door, you know. And so they're going down, flying from wherever, and then he has the jet rerouted to Detroit at the last minute to pick up Josh. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. And you gotta understand, I mean, like I, I talked to Josh once in a while too. I, I don't know if I just forgot that story, or dude. And so or... you gotta understand too, like so. Josh and I are we're hq employees at this point yeah this is this is november like greg yeah yeah it's a little sketchy you lose your job (laughs) scene to hang out with greg hanging out with the big bad racist so and uh josh josh and i were both there but we didn't tell each other that we were going to be there Uh because i didn't want to tell anybody you know i was like fuck if they yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i get scared for the employees like when they show up to like one of his talks and shit i'm like oh fuck yeah should i crop you out of this photo 
so then they show up and Josh gets out of the fucking out of the SUV. He's like, motherfucker, what are you doing here? And so we and that's how Josh and I are. And I don't think it's like that anymore, though. No, right? it's not. Like under the Don regime and with Dave back, it's like no, it's, it's all good, right? Yeah, it's I don't all feel good. that way at all whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that's been squashed. Yeah, and so met Greg in real life, face to face. Then and then he was always, you know, he had had me come out a couple times and the whole thing. So yeah, I've been to a couple parties in San. Yeah, yeah, which is nuts, man. Like wild. Can you believe that those? You can't, those things happen with that. Like, by the way, when I say parties, these are like, um, this isn't like, uh, like a party, like people are handing out Molly and like we're meeting. <laughs> this is like Stanford PhD MDs speaking to the group, uh, former heads of state, fucking, it's, uh, the people, smartest of yeah. the smart people coming out to exp- to talk about uh, science. What's what? What is science? It's nuts. People ask me like, what 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 goes on? Like, what are you doing? I'm just like, I can't even give you an adequate description of the brain power that is involved in that room, um, and like what I'm doing there to begin with. But yeah, dude, it's I'm I'm excited to see where you know what takes shape and where, and where it goes from here. But if anyone wants to dig into one of the most fascinating men ever, who was at this party, his name's Roger Gimbel. Gimbel or Kimball? Kimball. It's a skateboard dude or no, no, no. This is the guy who's like, he's, this is probably the mo- the, the greatest living art critic. Oh okay, yeah. Today. And he looks like an art critic. <laughs> yeah. But he, but, but, Part scientist, part philosopher, part I mean, this Roger uh he's at the new criteria. Uh, Roger Kimball. God, why do I always want to call him Gimbal? Maybe because cameras use gimbals. Yeah. I started reading one of this guy's books. This guy is fascinating. And when you dig into this guy's wiki page, the Greg has befriended this guy, and this guy was at the uh at the event also. Are you going to the event in February? Yeah, I'm planning to. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. We get to yeah. hang out again. Yeah. At this point, I'm just like, let me know. I'll be <laughs> I'll be there. So basically, instead of basically what happened is just when Greg sold the company, you reached out to him to make sure he was okay because you knew how traumatic this must have been for him. Something yeah. that he's invested his entire life into for 20 years and then or what a 30 years and then he had to sell it. Yeah. I, I was that's just really uh empathetic of you. That's really because it was hard as shit for him. And yet I bet you very few people thought to reach out to him. Well, I just was projecting how I would feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if fucking uh, every, all my identity and everything was, I sold and was gone and it wasn't under the best circumstances and fucking people were turning their back on me left and right. Uh, it would hit me to my core, you know? It's crazy how people turn their back on people. Over over stuff that like it's so sad. Even to this day, I read comments, and it's stuff like that. No one ever says specifically what's wrong. Everyone's just always like, um, like like I don't want to know. Dale King is a nice guy. I'll decide if he's a nice guy. Tell me about the time you saw him uh, uh, pull over his car and help a bird across the street that was injured. And then all to tell you whether he was a nice guy or not. And no one ever says anything about him. If you were to talk about the specifics of who Greg Glassman is, you'd think he's the fucking savior. 
But instead, people just say he's, the, the people who are negative towards him. They they can't say anything specific. It so bums me out. Yeah, it yeah. so bums me out how it's lazy. It's so lazy. Just or just me, like, what, what's your problem with them? What happened? He slapped your mom. Like what did he do? Right. It, I don't know, man. That that whole not thing. not he's not nice to my mom. I'll decide if he's nice to your mom or not. Tell me what he fucking did. Right. Because you don't know. Man, and and I he's like, rich. He's really rich now. <laughs> he's he's really really, uh, and he's very happy. Yeah, the happiest I've ever seen him. Most relaxed I've ever seen him. Yeah, and then just like you know, on a random Sunday, we're strolling through his fucking olive tree orchard. <laughs> yeah, that was wild for me. Uh, yeah, man, but I was just like, I he created the thing that has given me joy, happiness and fulfillment in my life. Yeah. Like, me too. And I'll never fucking forget that. And to me, it's that simple. I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't get the other side of it, but. Um, um, why do you still stay a, a CrossFit affiliate? <laughs> because I'm loyal to the brand. And I'm I'm loyal to what Greg created. Yeah. And I just I have and honestly I have a real fucking problem with people who don't do that. Like meaning I, meaning meaning people who own a CrossFit gym but don't but they don't pay their affiliate fees. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I just I don't I, I just don't understand that. Like I don't see how I and I guess you can really tell a lot about somebody if they do that, it's like, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be a money thing. Uh, it's like two, three members that will take care of that for the course of the year. Um, it's where the integrity piece comes in, right? Like integrity. I would, I would use it, uh, synonymously with, uh, honesty, but like, just be honest, like, or you could call your gym. I stole CrossFit. <laughs> 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 but other than that, you're basically using the methodology and you're not paying your membership fee. Yeah. And, and explain to me how that don't see, this is what I'm saying. Like, fuck it. I had a real issue with trying to get people to come back to CrossFit who, who wanted to resign their affiliation. Okay. It's like, was that one of your jobs when you were the, to call the, the gyms that had left? When you it wasn't there? a job per se, but it was just like, you know, if, it was something that needed to be done in order to, to save affiliates. And a part of me was just like, if they don't want to fucking raise the flag, we don't want them. It's yeah. that simple. Well, that's what Greg would have said for sure. Greg's like, yeah. I'm not begging anyone to come back. Fuck you. Well, and that's, a th- and that's a terrible fucking business decision. You know what I mean? What, but, what, what is just to say, fuck you. I'm not going to beg you to come back. Right. Which, but <laughs> I'll tell you what, you'll be a hell of a lot. Maybe it adds brand value, but maybe it adds brand value. No, but what I'm saying is like on paper, if you're now a private equity company that owns the new thing, you got to go and get everybody because it's going to help pay the bills. But this thing is so unique and so weird. We can't try to go get everybody because we have like – the weak Buffalo need to be called from the herd every now and then in yeah. order for the herd to be stronger. 
And you, you can only find out who's going to ride with you when, when you're at your absolute worst sometimes. Um, and, and Hey, another interesting thing too, is, is there's two, like, like you're looking to see what you can give back to your community and there's other people who are seeing what they can take from their community. And so those people, like, why would you beg those people who are takers to stay? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so Craig, and I don't want to throw Craig Howard under the bus, but Craig and I talk about he throws this. himself under the bus <laughs> enough. Let's do it. Craig and I talk about this a lot. It's like, um, there's some members you don't want in your gym and you should never like when they leave, you should understand that it's a part of their journey and you don't want them back because they're going to, they're going to bring the total energy down. Right. They poison the well. Yeah. By virtue of them being there. Right. And, and so let's not cater to them. You want the member when they walk in there and someone's peed on the toilet seat, they wipe it with the, at best they wipe it with the toilet paper at worst they don't do any or in the middle ground they don't do anything and at worst they come out and they yell across the gym there's pee on the toilet seat always at this gym doesn't anyone clean this bathroom right and you're like dude (laughs) yeah 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 and we can't like we that's what i'm saying i guess like i wish we were very focused on what we're doing and who we want to attract because like, and uh, I'll get on my high horse now. It's like, we're fucking wasting time. There's 107,000 people that die a year from fucking drug overdose. In the U.S.? In the U.S. per year. It's the number one leading cause of death in age 18 to 45. Oh, my God. Is it mostly dudes, too? I, I couldn't tell you the, the, the sex breakdown. Damn. But... That's it's nuts. The, it's the fucking number one leading cause of death in age 18 to 45. We also happen to have a very fucking great answer to that fucking problem in CrossFit. And we need and we need more affiliates who want to take on that mission and want to go help and get fucking paid for it because that's how they'll sustainably do it. 2009 to 2019 drug over death rates for males 35 to 44 increased 25%. Oh God. And that's not even the big, it's probably skyrocketed since then. Matt, uh, drug overdose death among males age 15 years and over were highest for those aged. God. So hundred, like last, last stats were 107,000 people a year. So hey, we're at, that's when people are in their strongest. That's your strongest age. 18 to 45 is when you're just a savage. And now like, let, let me unveil some more conspiratorial theory theory. Please, please. Where we, where we get fentanyl from our friends in China and where, and like it's killing the military age male bracket. We're rotting from inside. Oh, did you see when I had Dale Saran on? Yes. And basically, yeah, the U.S. military is fucking. It's it's taking a blow. Yep. They're they're like short fourteen or fifteen hundred fucking pilots. In that age group, like in the number one killer, that age group is now drug overdose. <clears throat> so basically, on every front, this hurts our our, our well, uh, basically our military readiness. This is a national security issue. 
it is it's not it's no obviously it's a healthcare issue right but it's it's becoming a national security issue right if we don't have if we don't have a country to have a national health issue in we better secure it before yeah fuck there's a hierarchy a sequence of of, of events that have to happen in the right priority for everything to exist right yeah and so like is it scary do you get scared thinking about it I don't, I really, I, I will go down and spend some time and I just have to pull myself out of that rabbit hole to realize I can do what I can do. And I, I'm not, it's not a matter of like, and this is one thing Greg told me. uh, It's like, you don't really give a shit about trying to save 50,000 people, just make an impact for five. Right. Well, he used to say that to all the affiliates, like when he would, Hey, we are not going to save everyone. We're not even going to save mostly everyone. We're we're only going to save the ones that come to be saved to get on the lifeboat. Right. Yeah. And I think like, so now if we take, uh, there's 107,000 people die in a year of drug overdose. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for veterans. Um, so we we are in the midst of just this storm of fucking annihilation that could be fixed with community and CrossFit. Yeah. And closing our border. Yeah. By the way, that's what makes us a country, people. For anyone who thinks it's smart, <laughs> that we're not a country within it. Like, why don't we just abandon the whole idea of being a country? I, I 100% agree Obviously, the the border is a, a joke, but we have to we got to take care of what's inside of our border as well. Right, right, right. Of course, and, yeah. And that's that's the and because it, it's real easy. It's a real political thing to say secure the border. Da, 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 da. I oh, agree. I don't mean it like that either. I just mean to stop the drugs from coming in. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, but, I'm not. We, I, I'm truly not worried about the people. By the way, I'm worried about what the people are bringing. The shit that comes with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love immigrants. Fuck. I love cheap labor. My dad came here and was cheap labor for many years for people. My whole family came over here as immigrants. I was cheap labor. I used to work four twenty five an hour. Wasn't even an immigrant. Everyone should work for cheap at some point in your life. Do your part. Take your internship. Yeah. No, nah, man. But I don't know. I don't even know where I was going with that, but it's just frustrating. Well, it's the business you're in now. You're in the business of saving people's lives now, specifically focused on uh, addiction. And I think uh, we could just, well, it's a buy, it's not even the business you're in. It's a byproduct of what you do. You help people. And so those are people who get helped. And then they turn around and help other people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think- how do you, how do you get paid for it? When you say you get paid for it, well, like if I'm an affiliate and I'm listening to this and I'm like, Ooh, I want to do what he's doing. Here's exactly what you do you, within your, within your town. There has to be a, a counseling or addiction treatment center somewhere or close by. So what you do is you go immediately reach out to the executives on that squad. Even better is hopefully one of those employees works out at your gym. Right. Um, if not, do the reach out and say, hey, um, CrossFit can be an incredible force multiplier for somebody's recovery. Um, I would love to show you how we do that. And then you just give a month free membership to all the executives on the squad. You get them involved. You get them to see the magic for their first hand. You don't charge them anything because you can never explain the value of CrossFit without experiencing it. And you need the decision makers on board that are going to be the ones that approve this down the road. Right. right. 
So you give them a free, you give them a free month membership and you just say it's completely trial. If you guys don't think it'll work and if you don't like it, you didn't pay for it and I'm not out anything other right. than my time. Right. Once they fall in love with it, because they inevitably will, you then say, hey, I would love to do CrossFit classes for your clients in your facility. There's two ways we can do that. We can do it at your facility if you have a gym. If not, we can give you off class hours to, for you to bring your folks here and I'll charge you a flat rate of X, whatever that is. And we'll start with one class a day, five days a week, and we'll let it grow from there. How, how many people are in rehab at any one time in the United States? Oh shit, man. There's that on that. <clears throat> yeah, how many gyms are there in the United States? CrossFit gyms, 3000, 4,000. I don't know. 2,500. Caleb's Caleb's peeping to see how many people are in rehab. You can't just ask Google that. How many people are in rehab? And here's, and here's why it's like, so um, insurance pays for treatment, right? So even uh, if like here, like no one can afford private insurance. So they're, they're on Medicaid. So their services are being reimbursed by Medicaid. And so why can't a CrossFit class, one hour of a CrossFit class, be the same thing. Uh, so it's it said at any one time there's 3.7 million people in rehab. Um, affiliate map. Let me see the CrossFit affiliate map just to get a, just a rough idea of. Uh... Okay, four thousand, five thousand. It looks like there's probably like about five thousand affiliates in the United States. Let's say. And if every one of those affiliates has a hundred people, uh, what is that? That's fifty thousand. That's five hundred thousand. Means there's five hundred thousand active uh, gym members in the United States who go to CrossFit gyms, and there's three point seven million people in rehab. Fucking a. Hey, did you see that number too? Forty two billion dollars spent on rehab. Oh, do you, that- like what? We could fix all of it for two billion. You could keep the other forty billion <clears throat> if you put all those people in a, in a in a CrossFit. Well, then, like so, then yeah. So here's what you even do. Frustrating to see it. That's where I guess is where I'm coming at. Is I'm that's we we every affiliate, and I guess that's the issue. Is like as an affiliate owner, don't fucking wait on HQ to do anything. You go do it. Right. You 30,000 residential treatment centers in the U S at a hundred beds is 3 million, but I know it's fucking nuts when you start doing that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go on. Don't wait for anyone. No one's wait. coming to save you. Don't. Yeah, exactly. No one's coming to save you. Your gym, you're in possession of the most, an incredibly powerful weapon to combat this. You just have to understand how to operate that weapon and point it in the right direction. Uh, this is a quote from you. I'm, I'm, well, it's not a direct quote. I'm paraphrasing. You said in your TED Talk, nobody is coming from, uh, to help you, but you do have the power to change people from taxpaying liability to taxpaying asset. And then you go on to say that small business is the backbone of America. And once you find how to make a – once making a profit um, aligns with your purpose, you'll be off to the races. Can you explain that line to me? Right. Aligning, aligning profit and purpose. So it's, 
so if you look at like a Venn diagram, right? Yeah. So if all That's I the three circles, and yep. kind of all over that. Yeah. So if all I give a shit about is money, it's this circle, right? There'll be certain decisions I will make that will that will help me make the most money. That okay. may not be the best overall decision. If it, on this circle over here is my purpose, what gives me fulfillment, what gives me satisfaction, what lets me know when I'm on my deathbed that I will have lived a good life. So when where those circles overlap, that's where I want to focus on. Right. And so you can't it, it can't be all about the money, but you in order. So this is the greatest thing I've ever lived by. In order to do good for others, you must do well for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends told me, spend 90% of your time working on yourself and then 10% giving to others. But working on yourself, like we already established, is not playing Xbox. <laughs> 100% right. Maybe PlayStation, just not Xbox. Um, but so, so here's an example of that, right? So at the packaging company. Uh, if all I gave a shit about was them working 80 hours and not allowing for flexible work schedule for the recovery to, to come first, to go work out, to do this, to go do that on a, on a profit sheet, that's going to be a liability, but it makes me feel better that I'm going to play a role in their life that five years from now, they're going to be like, because of that place, I was able to get helped out. Right. That's that's where finding the sweet spot of purpose and uh, profit align. But you, you we, go ahead. Sorry. Would you say you stumbled on your purpose on accident? Oh, fucking 100 percent. I am. The, I am the definition of an accidental entrepreneur. Um, I could. There's no way I would have planned this out. We we had people we hired people that weren't in recovery beforehand and it was great. We were making money, la, la, la. But this is the purpose. This gives me fulfillment. I see people like I'm around people who are grateful to be here playing a small role in helping them out. Um, I feel good, man. It makes me feel good. Sorry. When I come away from a mic, you can barely hear me. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Now, Damien, sorry. Uh, I, yeah. And feeling good's important. So you're getting stimulated in every way because your company's growing, which is always exciting. It's it's kind of like this podcast. It's like um, every day there's something new. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, holy shit. And then you're also stimulated um, because you're helping people. And then also you can put food on your table. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, I would at this point I'd probably be an SES, a senior executive service within the department of energy making, I don't know, 175 K a year, um, which would put a lot more money in my bank accounts than I I have now, but I'd be a fucking miserable person. Right. Right. And probably spend less time with your kids. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. It's nuts. But we, we as affiliate owners all have this opportunity if we want. And it's not for everyone, I mean, because it's fucking hard. It, it is hard. What opportunity? Oh, <clears throat> to have all of those things, to have income, stimulus, and fulfillment. Yep. Yeah. 
and, and, and granted, sometimes the stimulus comes in really hard challenges. Like it's yeah. not all just hunky dory, but it's like, Hey, we're out of cardboard and like, there's no cardboard within a thousand miles of here. What are we going to do? And shit gets weird. There, um, there's a great documentary on Netflix came out. Just, it's called Stutz. It's about like, uh, Oh, someone else was just talking about this. Uh, the shadow shadow. You were talking about it, Caleb. Yeah. I brought it up, I brought it up a couple of times. So really I, I think everybody should go watch this movie. And in it, he talks about the three aspects of reality. The three aspects of reality are one, there will always be pain. Two, there will always be uncertainty. Three, there will always be constant work. No matter what you do in life, you cannot escape those three tenets of reality. Pain, uncertainty, and work. Constant work. So you have a very finite time on this earth, so you might as well make your life's work pointed in that direction. What's that stand for, Stutz? It's the name. Last name. Yeah. That's the movie you told Caleb where Jonah Hill's getting like his fucking brain worked on by the shrink? Yep. Yeah, when Jonah Hill's interviewing his therapist. Oh. That's the one with the shadow body? Yeah. The shadow, yeah. Yeah, that was another great point. Listen, nobody better talk to my shadow. (laughs) I can hate that shit. I told this story. I told this story where I was at the beach. Caleb explained to me what the, your shadow per person is. And I was trying to understand it. And it remind. I told him a story about how I took my shirt off at the beach and someone's like, Oh, you have a dad body. I'm like, this motherfucker talks straight to my shadow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Don't talk to my shadow. He doesn't want to be seen. He's like Bill Henniger. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, like, like so, this hit me like, it's like that's the answer. No matter what what I do or where I'm at in life, I will always have to deal with that. Pain, and uncertainty, and constant work. work. No matter if you have five million dollars in your bank account or five dollars, yeah, you, you cannot you cannot escape that. And then I thought about that a little bit more. It's like, and of course, every the answer is always going to be CrossFit. But what teaches you how to deal with pain? a very hard fucking workout. Right? So you you can't if you cannot escape pain, you better be trained in pain. Right. And right. how to deal with it. Right. Uncertainty. The charter of CrossFit is dealing with the unknown and unknowable. Right. So no matter what comes out of the hopper, you will always feel confident that you have the ability to deal with it. Right. And then constant work. I mean that's what cross <laughs> There's no homeostasis. You're either getting better or worse. That's it. Yeah, there's no homeostasis. Yeah. So what better method or avenue to deal with those three aspects of reality other than crossword? Yeah. Well, thank you. This is good. Thank you, brother. Yeah. What a what a what a cool life you have. I thank you. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's no I mean, fucking Caleb, but you know what I mean? It's Oh, oh, Caleb's part of equity. It's great. Yeah, I I always tell Caleb's part of an equity program. Every every day is the same. Everything's the same. You ate the. He was telling me how basically it doesn't matter how good the food is or how bad it is. You eat the same seven things every week. I'm like, oh, yep. oh my god. On repeat. This dude has a list of shit he wants to eat when he gets home. <laughs> I've been there. What's wrong Starting with him, Dale? You have to send him to Portsmouth after this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey man, you you have you'll have a prime spot here, bud. Anytime you want. Anyone ever sleep in the gym? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like you've had some people like like shit's getting crazy. Like no, not that, not that oh, crazy. Oh, oh, oh. Um, more, <laughs> more from they'll ask me that what the code is, so they don't have to drive home on a Saturday night. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Hey, what is the deal with all the addicts around? So, like when you have parties, is there alcohol there or no? That's a great question, man. We actually just had our uh, Christmas staff party on Saturday. Uh-huh. Um, and it's something that we're always very cognizant of. Yeah. And before everybody started working here, like I've got a kegerator and there's always, you know, beer in the fridge. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, what do I, like, what's the protocol here? So I just asked my buddy and he was like, uh, hey, man, as long as you're just not smoking crack in front of me, like I can <laughs> I can handle you right. drinking right. a beer. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it, but that shit is all a slippery slope. I, yeah, for I, sure. You know, the, sure. a younger Sevon, I would have told the people, "Fuck you, suck it up." But now the fifty-year-old me, like, like, imagine if your kid was an addict and he was recovered, you wouldn't yeah. want him working at a place where fucking everyone's sitting around throwing back beers. Yeah, and 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 then we, so when we, you know, I I love a good beer. So what we decided is just like we went to an axe throwing place. Yeah, and uh, it was like BYOB. And everybody had a great time for like an hour and a half. And then they just kind of know like, okay, it's, it's those of us who are, haven't hit recovery yet. Right. <laughs> and that's in the, but you know, we talk about it and uh, yeah. that's because that's the only way you can deal with it. So, cause the last well, thing you, like, we don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. I mean, that's the bottom line. It, based around their addiction. Right. We'll make you feel uncomfortable working out and talking some shit to you. Oh, based yeah. around your addiction, we would try to make it smooth for you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll see you in February. Looking forward to it, man. Yeah, can't wait to it. Thanks for your time. I know this went really long today. Dude, fucking thank you for having me on, brother. Yeah, anytime. Any, anytime. Caleb, my friend. I just did this to see Caleb for three hours. That's all I said. <laughs> that's, that's just, did you send him that sweatshirt? Yeah. Well, he yeah, bought yes, it, dude. Oh, awesome. I had to. It was awesome. it's a dope hoodie. Yeah, and then the, I got the, the, got the hat the, too. The rehab gym has all their <laughs> shit branded like Coors. Kind hey, of We're bipolar. He also he they sent me a bunch of uh, the Doc Spartan stuff too. So I've been passing around to like everybody I work with and they just use it up. It's it's awesome. Good. Thank you, brother. They really appreciated it. So thank you for sending all that out to so, us. Before we go, I'm gonna Oh, there it is. <laughs> There it is. Paper Street Coffee. They're cold brew. Paper nice. Street Coffee. Very nice. Oh, um, how are you with um, – can people reach out to you if they want to know more? I I would love that. Um, okay. Yeah. He's easy to find. Dale King or, uh, on Instagram. Uh, DM him. Uh, just type into Google Dale King Instagram CrossFit. Yeah, and it, especially for affiliate owners, if you – like we're putting together like a seminar series teaching affiliate owners how to work with behavioral health centers. Um, just reach out to me. I'll send you the manual and you can take a look at it. And if you ever want to come down here in Portsmouth and see it firsthand, we'd love to have you. Awesome. Brother. Thank you. Oh, Gabe's going to cry. All right. (laughs) Love you guys. Bye. Ciao. Thank you. Bye brother. I want to know about all his products. What, what, What is it? Or what, what's, what's the ointment he makes? Do I need ointment? I don't think I need ointment. It's it's like this. Um, it's almost so it's like a deodorant stick, but it's like but this, I have all like my lotion. limbs. I don't have any prosthetics. Where would I put that? 
I use it for like my blisters. Like when I get like when I have tears on my hands and stuff, I'll like yeah. pop it and then I'll cover it in the ointment. Or like when my hands get really dry, because my hands have been getting really dry lately. Yeah, my knuckles crack my knuckles sometimes. Yeah. 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 I use it any anything that's dry or apparently you can use it on like tattoos and stuff after you've gotten them. Like instead of using aquaphor, you can just use just take the stick and lather it on there and supposed to keep it protected and moist and shit what's it feel like is it like vaseline uh not as viscous it's kind of like it's it's kind of more like a lotion i feel like it It it, smells really good it eventually rubs in Mm -hmm. would you put it on on your lips as chapstick Mm, you probably could but you haven't it's for chafing i don't know if i've eh. Can't, I can't remember if I've ever chafed in my life. I'm not sure I even know what chafing is. I guess yeah, sometimes you can use it on rips, cuts, scrapes, scars, burns, rashes, tattoos, and more. Yeah, works really well. He has a bunch of other stuff too. He's got like ball powder and mustache. Ball, ball powder. Ball powder, yeah. It's like baking powder. It's like uh, baby powder. Yeah. Sunscreen too. Did you hear that? Mm-mm. What was it? I hear someone crying. It's probably Ari. Makes me hurt. <laughs> All right. Uh, fuck, that flew by. He's so easy to talk to. He's such a nice guy. Do you like having the mill guys on? Or are you like, fuck, I talk to the No, it's really cool. Day. Okay. I like talking to him. I met him at Mac and Syndicate when he was doing that affiliate stuff. Yeah. And he was just automatically so nice to me. We just sat next to each other. I had no idea who he was. And like immediately he's like, hi, my name is Dale. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was like, holy shit. He's a really nice guy. Hey, when he shows up at Greg's house for these parties, everyone loves him. Like there's all these oh. fucking high profile, high powered fuckers around and everyone, he, people gravitate to him. He's so personable. Yeah. And he's just, he's just so nice. Um, tomorrow we have on this guy, Andy Holmes, and he might be the leading expert in the world. I think he's been doing it longer than anyone alive has been doing it. His company, um, testing supplements. So Andrew's going to be on with us so we can just ask him anything we want. It's going to be great. He'll explain to us the whole process, how shit gets tainted, what the solutions are, but we can ask anything. I may even open up the phone lines if you guys have any questions. So we'll find out. He'll be able to tell us if these athletes are foolish full of shit does that stuff really happen it's going to be a dope show uh I, i'm i'm really excited he is not guy, right? uh so w- what's he called safe sport is that what it's called S- safe sport or uh may, i think maybe you're right let me see i forget i need to do a little more research on him but we had normally we don't have calls with people before they come on but with this guy we did there's so little uh safe and it, it, it's two companies right Safe sport and yeah. Uh, oh, maybe I have an email. Let me look real quick. Now you got me curious. Informed sport. That's what it is. Informed sport. Okay. Informed choices. Informed sport. Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be cool. That is going to be exciting. We test you trust. They have that. We test you trust.com. <laughs> That's the same company that tested that one 
athletes supplements and then she like sued crossfit or something didn't she <laughs> or like is that the one where they her name wasn't on it and her athlete number wasn't on it and her sex was wrong but they still Maybe. fucking were like no it's yours is <laughs> like, it that no. one at australia no, do you remember that one i do remember that one but i don't think it was her i think this one i think the one i'm thinking of she got caught with like tainted supplements and she's like i don't take that and then she got everything tested that she was taking by this informed sport company. And then they showed that it was like that her supplements were tainted. And, and, and she, she sued CrossFit. I don't know if she sued him. I shouldn't say that, but uh, I think she like tried to appeal what was going on. God, I'm so glad I don't have to worry about that. That must, do it's I up. need ointment? Yeah, that, that's, I, do I need ointment? I don't know if I need ointment. I don't think I need ointment. You guys ever watching the show and you're like, Sevon I need some ointment. Just let me know. You probably use it on your hair, maybe. No, my hair, my hair produces its own ointment. <laughs> it's looking a little dry today. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Show's over. Bye. See you guys later. Spiegel, thank you. See you guys tomorrow. Bye.